the man. The show is about to start in 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. He'll be found on the mountain. It's time for Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Built by the Barnuminium Company. Served by Chicken Cock Whiskey and part of the Chief Sports Network. Juice Wells all the way. Touchdown, Gamecocks. Pressure. Penny just does it. Greetings and good morning, good afternoon, and if I don't see you, have a good night, too, from the Truman Show. This is J.C. Sherbert here uh, inside the Gamecocks, the show. Bradford's under the weather. He told you yesterday he caught a little bug, um, and uh, he's not going to be here with us today, but uh, we're going to have a lot of fun anyway. Mike Morgan's going to join us for the Power Hours, uh, and so you will have some sort of professional broadcasting here then. But in the meantime, it's me and Phil, and we're joined, as we always are on Tuesday, right off the top of the bat by Hale McGranahan, hashtag Hell yes. My man, what's going hey, on? Not a whole lot. How you boys doing here this this offseason? First Tuesday of the offseason. Yeah, first Tuesday of the offseason. And to answer your question in the chat box, I was, I was going to be off today, but I think I'll just take my normal day off tomorrow. <laughs> uh, go watch a little Gamecock basketball, play a little bingo tonight. Um, Hell, uh, all right, obviously, we'll get this out of the way. Uh, tremendously disappointing um, end to a disappointing season. Uh, you were born in South Carolina. You know what this game means to both sides. Uh, it sucks when you lose it, no matter, you know, what good you did in the game, and it's always good to win it. And I'm sure, you know, even though some Clemson people I know were sort of, uh, you know, uh, upset for lack of a better term that their office didn't perform any better they still won and the game kind of still lost so uh you know your thoughts on the game um uh in general and 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 how it came to be i was, I was born in, in california didn't stay long but been in south carolina for for a vast majority oh. of the close to 39 years i've i've been i didn't that. know you were a california kid hell it's, uh, was, it's uh, yeah uh, yeah yeah, that, that Bill Walsh picture behind me uh, was given to my dad because he was covering the 49ers when, when I was born. Oh, so, okay, I, I get it now. So, Ed was with the, the Chronicle or some other paper? I it, was another, it was a paper in Oakland. Oh, okay. Um, 
I can't remember the name of it. Yeah, Tribune. I think it's Oakland Tribune. I think. Actually, I've got it somewhere. I've got it. There's there's a copy of it somewhere else in the house. Sweet. And then but made anyway. your made your way to God's Country in Greenville. So that's uh that's pretty mm-hmm. good. Although the, the Bay Area is is a beautiful place. It is a nice place to Steve Spurrier, you know, he lived out there nine years because he played for the Niners. Right. And uh I've heard him say a couple of times like that ah, that's the nicest Jerry thinks that's the nicest place we ever lived. She <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Yeah. So your, th- anyway. your, th- your thoughts on the game? Yeah, the 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 game to me, if you're looking at this from a Carolina perspective, it just feels like a, a missed opportunity when, when you don't give up any offensive touchdowns to the opponent. You feel like you should win the game, just like if you score 39 points at home, you feel like you should win the game. Um, just just one of of a few missed opportunities again for for this team and this season and this program with, with arguably the, the best quarterback in, in its history, it, it, it just, you, you think you could have done a little bit more. And I don't, I don't know how much more they could have done. If, if everything had gone right this season, are, are we talking about a team that's won eight or nine games, maybe 10 at the absolute most? Like I know some folks coming into the year had, had maybe that as kind of a pipe dream, but, uh, it, it just feels feels like there should have been a little bit more, and you know, for a program that's had so many what ifs over the years. I mean, we we could sit here for three hours and and, and listen. I could listen to you and you and Phil rattle rattle all those things off, JC. But what if Juice Wells is is healthy all season? What what does that look like with him and Xavier Leggett doing doing what what that? It, it just what if it, it's 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 one of those things that if Juice Wells is out there this past Saturday night and anywhere near healthy, Clemson's probably got two losses in a row to South Carolina. Uh, yeah, the word yeah. "what if" works real well, though. Hale, I, I spent ten minutes of this game on Saturday, literally ten minutes, at, you know, at least thinking about Florida <laughs> and the yeah. Florida game and the missed opportunities. And, you know, the opportunities that this team has had over the course of the season to, to kind of change what the importance of the game on Saturday was, you know, to kind of alleviate some of the pressure, I think, was probably on the team. And, and of course, the fan base. But, yeah, missed opportunity yeah. is an excellent way. Yeah, after that Florida game, there's no excuse. I mean, to lose yeah. that, you're up 10. You got I mean, you're at home. Florida turned out to be five and seven, just like the Gamecocks. And right. um, it, it wasn't good. But uh, Juice Wells, that's an interesting point because Juice is the type of player that, you know, hey, look, so your offense is stalling, stalling, stalling. And he makes two or three guys miss. He's gone. You know, he's off to the races. Uh, and it makes it harder to cover a guy like Leggett and, quite frankly, the tight ends too. Because, you, you, you know, Amarian Brown and the rest of those guys, uh, you know, not to say they're bad players, they're not juice wells. Um, and I think we all saw kind of on one drive this year against uh, a pretty good defense, what this offense could have been had they had those two on the field at the same time. I mean, that, that was probably the best offensive drive of the year. Uh, first drive against Georgia in Athens. And you saw kind of how difficult they were to defend when you had everything in place. And then of course he went out or whatever, but um <clears throat> You know, it, it was what it was. Uh, Clemson, Florida, North Carolina games. Those are ones I think you'd like to have back. I think you'd probably like to play North Carolina later in the year, <laughs> or at yeah. least in the middle. Uh, 
Clemson game, you know, you'd probably like to play better on offense, Florida on defense. We had DeMarco on yesterday, and he said, um, he said, look, this team never really put it all together in, in three phases. And if you remember the Clemson win last year, all three phases contributed, you know, uh, not to say there weren't mistakes on defense and offense. And, and you know, and, and frankly, Kai Kroger's last punt was not his best. Good thing they fumbled. But uh, it was a good, solid three-phase win. That just never happened this season. No, not. That, I was thinking about that that point too, JC, is like, if they played well on defense against Florida, they they don't lose that game. If they play well on offense against Clemson, not even well, just halfway decent. They win those two games. Uh, they, I, I don't want to say too much about the Georgia game and how that went because Georgia kind of asserted themselves in, in that third quarter. But um, you know, if they could play a little bit better during that game, there was a stretch of A and M when things just went really, really sideways for about a quarter yeah Yeah. so just again just so many missed you feel like missed opportunities to to have made this season look a lot different i mean the north carolina game was what it was it all those sacks majority of them were in like the third and fourth quarter when they're down two touchdowns and trying to throw their way back into it um and, and they weren't having any success running the ball which Again, you know, if we're going to go kind of compare it to the Clemson game a little bit, it's when, when it was pretty apparent that, that South Carolina wasn't going to be able to do anything on the ground. Um, you know, they were, they were third and nine on average for the first three and a half quarters of that game uh, the other night. So uh, they just couldn't get anything going and just kind of further highlights the, the issue that we all were talking about coming into the season and, and – the offensive line and, and how good or bad that might be. And, and it was, it was, it was an issue throughout the season, obviously. And it was and, worse than we could have imagined. <laughs> What's that? I mean, it's, it's worse than we could have imagined. I mean, to our credit, yeah. yeah. all, all preseason, you know, we're sitting there and, and talking about the team and saying that, uh, you know, they could have a really good offense this year, but they can't afford injuries up front. And not only did you have injuries up front, I mean, you had a guy like Tyshawn Wanamaker who started a bunch his entire career here that just digressed for a number of reasons. That, that mm-hmm. when they put him out there, he was all he, he was not that it was worse than you know. Wor- I mean, he wasn't as good as he was. You know, uh, I wasn't convinced if the last uh, the the last part of the year, the offensive line. It's crazy because they started the same group for four straight games. It got progressively worse. I'm not. I'm not convinced those guys were 100. Uh, percent I'm not convinced Mario Anderson was 100 percent after maybe Bandy. Um, so I don't know. Uh, it's just one of those things. Uh, you know, it, it just it just happened, and it is a it is a season of what ifs. But it's also a season to where, when you look at the keys to the season, uh, you know, I think having a, at least a decent offensive line was a key. I think manufacturing something in the running game was a key. And I think playing consistently good defense, you don't have to be great, but good defense was a key. And none of those things happened. <laughs> uh, and so you kind of go, uh, you kind of go from there and, and see, uh, see how you can fix it. So speaking of fixing it, uh, can you explain to everybody, because I've, I've seen a lot of snarky comments and, 
it gets under my skin, number one, because if you look at facts, you know, with the transfer portal, players that come from lower levels turn out at a pretty damn good clip. You know, it, you know, it's not Nick Gargiulo's fault South Carolina was not good up front. You know, it's not – I mean, Juice Wells came from a lower level. Josh Simon came from Western Kentucky. Would you blame it? I mean, you know, Mario Anderson, you wouldn't blame the season on those guys. Um, so no. that, that chaps my butt. But explain to people that, like, right now, a lot of the offers that are going out to these FCS guys from the Ivy League and Holy Cross and things like that, these guys are eligible to be contacted, and you can't contact the other folks until later. Kind of break all that down for us because, you know, yeah, South Carolina fans kind of sometimes are in a bubble and go, why are we offering the Ivy League guys? I'm not going out. Oh, my God. Well, it's because they're the only ones that can be contacted and offered right now, unless you're like a grad transfer. Uh, and most of those are quarterbacks, and they're not going to go after a quarterback. So explain kind of the timeline there as far as when we can start seeing some real movement in the portal in terms of who they're going to offer, who they're going to target, that kind of thing. Yeah, and and the the two guys we know of who Carolina's offered already, the the Southern Miss offensive lineman tied in from Harvard, they're both grad transfers too. So they won't, and they'll only have one year of eligibility remaining. And and to me, that kind of is a little different than than some some other options you might look at in the transfer portal. Whereas if you're going to go after a grad transfer, it's like. Hey, we, we want to go get a guy who can come in at a position and give give some stability and, and a veteran guy who's who's been productive, quite frankly. And and if you're a three year starter at Southern Miss and uh, two time All Ivy League tight end, uh, I, I you're probably a pretty good football player. I'm, I'm I don't think anybody would expect those guys if they were to come to South Carolina to come in and be All SEC and and be you know, an all-time great type of player uh, in their one season at Carolina. But they could at the very least come in and, and give you some stability along an offensive line that, as we all know, needs to get better. I mean, they've recruited a lot of young players. I'm going on a tangent, JC, so I'll get back to your question in a second. They, they need that kind of, they still they need to bridge the gap along the offensive line. So if you can get a one-year one-year rental, if you will, uh, on a guy who, who can come in and start and, and help – those young guys get more up to speed. Uh, that's a good thing. If you can get a tight end who's caught a bunch of passes and been productive and, and shore things up at a position where, you know, by the way, last year at this time, they didn't have any coming back for, for the season. So they had to basically take what they could get and, and sort it out later. And, and they're still working to sort it out. Uh, and, and plus we know they're losing Trey Knox and Josh Simon's got a decision to make as well. So, uh, so yeah, it, what JC's point was, and I, I'll try to wrap this up, is is that the portal doesn't open for everybody until next Monday, December the fourth, and it's going to be a lot more hectic, a lot crazier. Uh, some really talented players getting in, so some younger guys who have more than just one year of eligibility remaining, and, and probably, quite frankly, some some better players with with higher ceilings as you know prospects if you will and, and some guys that, that that a lot of folks are going to go after and and south carolina is going to take their swing on but at the same time we all have to keep the perspective that there are a lot of there are going to be a lot of guys that south carolina is, is trying to get in on that a lot of other teams are going after and and i think we all know that uh, the portal isn't always going to be 
uh, an area where you can count on going and getting difference makers at, at every single position. Uh, you got to kind of try to be smart with it and that you don't want to overextend, but at the same time, you don't want to like take a guy too early and potentially miss out on another guy down the road. So it's, it's a, it's a juggling act and it's very complicated and, and very fluid and it can all change on a dime and whatever I just said could be totally irrelevant next week. So yeah. Getting blown up in the chat box, and I, I, this has been asked. I know on the bigspur.com, Xavion Hardy, isn't he next year? He's two years, he wasn't a one, yeah. so he would be next class 2020. Yes, that, that's my understanding. Yeah, and he's still he's still been in contact with the staff, and, and they still want him. And as yeah. long as everything, as long as he's done everything he's supposed to and does his part, uh, they're gonna try to get him, get him signed and, yeah. and on the team. Yes, Hardy was not a go to JUCO one year and come back. He was a two year guy, so that's yeah. uh, that's kind of the deal there. Um, you know, looking at kind of the high school kids, you got Quaysheed Scott, Cam Fountain. They're still kind of waiting on trying to flip both. Uh, what's the latest that you've heard on those guys? Uh, I haven't really heard a whole lot specifically here within the last few days, but you know, I, I think Scott is a guy that South Carolina should be able to get in state and he's committed to Kentucky. Um, he's got an official visit scheduled for January, uh, but this Kentucky official visit is, is in two weeks. And if, if he's signing with anybody in December, uh, he's got a South Carolina official visit scheduled for January. So just, just keep that in mind. <laughs> yeah. right. Fountain, what we've felt pretty good aside from, you know what? What he told Phil Cornblut after his his visit for the uh, the Kentucky game, but JC, you and I, I think, are still feeling like like Carolina's in position there with him, uh, even though he, he's remained committed to Southern Cal uh, and and all that. Oh yeah, I feel relatively confident on, on that part. Uh, the big kid from Bamberg that's at JUCO. What are your thoughts, Jerome Simmons? Yeah, he's he's a guy who can come in and play either one of those, you know, interior tackle positions like a zero technique or a three technique. Um, if this three, three, five look is, is here to stay, you, you would think a, a big 325 pound uh, defensive tackle is, is the type of player you need uh, several of to, to help make that thing work and um, would, would be a guy that I think could come in and, and have a spot in that rotation pretty early on. He, he doesn't graduate until May. That's something I want people to keep in mind with him is that um, even if he does sign with Carolina in December, he's, he's got his official visit uh, in, in two weeks. So even if he does sign uh, on the 20th, it's going to be a while before he gets here. And, and I think we, we all need to realize that uh, – the Juco defensive linemen don't always immediately come in and, and just set the world on fire. Like there's a, you know, transition period for them as well, but he's still 325 pounds and, and older and, and has probably, uh, you know, a floor, if you will, of, of a guy who can come in and, and be a part of that rotation and, and uh, help, help make some plays and, and maybe get better as, as he gets a little more into the, you know, this, this level of play. Yeah, I think they're going to need more than him. I think on the interior, just right. for depth purposes. I, I think I'm not. Uh, and look, 
Hey, Martin and Weish and uh, Hickson, those guys, I, I, I hope. I hope uh, I hope they end up being really good, right? I hope Travian Robertson can coach them up tremendously, but uh, I would have some backup plans if I were them on that one. Uh, just uh, just based on what I've heard and, and how things uh, things are going right now. Uh, you know, you look at the wide receiver position, um, uh, I think there's probably going to be a need there in the portal. Uh, your thoughts on that and kind of um, – what you think they need to do need speed and your size. Uh, you know, I, I think obviously you don't want to go through another season next year where you have like one really good receiver. And then, you know, some guys that were kind of average to above average on a good day. Yeah. They're, they're definitely going to need to get all of the above I mean, size, speed, you know, whatever, however you want to draw up a receiver. Uh, Carolina needs, needs some of them. <laughs> and, uh, the portal has been a good place to, to do that uh, with Juice Wells, obviously. Uh, you know, Eddie Lewis didn't do a whole lot during his time here. Marion Brown was one of those guys you mentioned earlier, JC, who's who's a you know a, a good player, not necessarily a game breaker, but uh, they they need to to get a guy who could potentially be a game breaker at receiver uh, with with Juice coming back. That's huge. But beyond him, there's there's not a, a lot to get excited about on this returning uh, roster at receiver, and um, that's that's a little disappointing, quite frankly, with with uh, th- this team, this program being where it's at, this coaching staff being where it's at, going into to year four. Uh, yeah. I would I I'm surprised, frankly, that, that this is where things are. But there's always a, a chance to turn it around, and when when we talk about being able to to get help from the portal uh, receiver is, is a spot where I, I at least feel like they, they've got a, as, as good a chance of any as any other spot to, to go out and get some some really good players who can who can help make a difference. Yeah. Eddie Lewis, by the way, guys, just to reiterate, Eddie Lewis didn't play because Eddie Lewis. It's not. It wasn't a. Uh, it, it just I'll just leave it at that. As far as oh. Oh, Eddie goes because I agree. You know, from, from when he played, I thought he played pretty good. But uh, he, uh, there's reasons yeah. why uh, he did not play. Uh, Tyshawn Russell, Nick Harbor, I think they need to get better next year. Kelton Henderson will be interesting because I think he was going to play, and then he kind of had an injury that set him back, and he's not very big. Um, you know, a guy like Elijah Caldwell, Hale, uh, and I, I've said this because it's what I was told. Uh, your your take on it because. You know, like we report what we hear from off-season workouts, and he was looking pretty good. Uh, but don't you think it's a difference? You know, it, it, sometimes when you put the pads on, it's a different ball game, and and there's a there's a it's a different game, different sport than going out there and running around in your shorts and, and, and catching passes. Yeah, that's that's for sure. And um, you know, I, I was told at some point early on. Uh, I shouldn't say early on, but you know, right before the season that. They wanted to get him faster, um, and, and I think that probably speaks to a little bit of what you're saying is, is you know, you, you can run around and look good in shorts, but um, it, it, if, if you're not as fast with the pads on, like may, maybe you can uh, figure out some ways to, to get better that way, and, and I think that's probably as much of anything as 
getting older and more experienced in the game and, and into a college strength program because when, when you're out there playing real football with with uh, guys who are as big and strong and fast as you and it, it's gonna there, there's gonna be sort of that that learning curve and uh, I I liked Elijah Caldwell coming out of high school and and one thing that I thought about him even you know as I'm watching him doing triangle stuff is like he doesn't look like he's a burner he look he looks like a really good Full receiver and does a lot of things on tape, but you you did wonder about the the speed. So, um, yeah, if, if they can get him better that way throughout this offseason, I I'm excited to see what he can uh, do in the spring and and on into to next fall. I think he'd be a Kenny McKinley type of receiver. Kenny was not that fast. I mean, Kenny was more quick than fast. Uh, but we'll see what what happens with that. I think I didn't I didn't think Omega Blake got better this year. I, I still don't think he's hit his stride. Um, the rest of them, I don't know. You know, it's just one of those. The Kyle Horton, you think maybe next by next year he'd be ready to go because he certainly got it. Uh, certainly had the raw ability coming out. But yeah, there's just a, there's a lot of questions uh, with that group next year. So thankfully, Juice is coming back. That's as big as getting. Anybody out of the portal, in my opinion, you're talking about one of the best receivers in the country. Um, so we'll see what happens uh, with that. Uh, running back, obviously, do you agree with me that that just – are you tired of talking about it and it just needs to – just somebody freaking fix it? <laughs> running back. The running back. The, 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 the room, the, the roster, whatever. Just just fix it. I mean, I, I just it, there's yeah. no reason for, for it to be that way. I mean, go back to 12 months ago with Marshawn Lloyd leaving. You know, we, we knew probably that Rashad Amos was, was going to be on the way out because he hadn't got any touches. Uh, we didn't know Lavoisier Carroll was, was going to be retiring. Uh, they, they had a lot of stuff that, that happened in, in a short amount of time, and, and I know that's it's not the only position that, that you can say that about and they're not the only team that's had to deal with guys leaving from the portal and and they've certainly missed on guys they're trying to get out of the portal um but i'm not trying to make excuses for anyone certainly not it's the high school recruiting could have been better along the way and who they were able to get and and certainly this past portal cycle outside of mario anderson they swung and missed on a lot of guys a lot of really good players, Logan Diggs, who, who had a good season at LSU, uh, Dylan Johnson at Washington, who had a really good season. Uh, mm. uh, they they were in the mix for those guys, but Dylan Johnson got a, a real sweet deal to go to Washington, and, and Logan Diggs was probably LSU bound the whole time, and, and there were some others along the way. But, uh, but yeah, it, it is time. It, it, it needs to be fixed. Some, something's got to be done at that position to get it better and, and whatever that means, whatever that takes um, that the running back position at South Carolina shouldn't, shouldn't be in the state that it was in uh, throughout the season. And that's not a shot at Mario Anderson who, who was a really good player, but yeah. they were, they were short on numbers. They had four scholarship running backs this season that the, the target is five. And, and one of those guys is, is Juju McDowell, who's, you know, not an every down running back. And, and one of them was a guy that was a quarterback turned wide receiver, converted back to quarterback and uh, a little bit of both until he got moved to running back. So 
just a lot of lot of stuff that's happened and and again not making excuses but um you know it it, it needs to to get better quite frankly and um it, Mario Anderson's got a decision to make there's no guarantee that he's going to be on this team next year so uh and if he's not it's even all that times you know times five what i just said it's it's got to get better for sure every other running back with eligibility is left Think about it, Beamer era. I, I don't think there's one that. I guess Juju's still here. He's good. He's still got eligibility. Uh, DeCarion was not really a running back. Uh, did anybody really make it? Till there, anybody I'm missing? No. Zaquandre left. Kevin left. Marshawn left. Orshad left. And if Mario leaves, that's that's another one. And they haven't backfilled with much. Christian Bill Smith left because he had to. He probably would have returned. <laughs> um, so I don't know. Don Chaney Jr. is in the portal. You remember covering him? Remember, yeah. remember his dad played for the Gamecocks? Uh, I don't remember his dad. He played in the Woods, Sparky Woods era. I think uh, hmm. Tanny Hill's team where he went up to Old Death Valley and signed his name on the field <laughs> hmm. to quote Patrick Davis. I think yeah. Chaney was on that team. He was a big plus size receiver uh, from um, Miami. Uh, stuck around the NFL for a little while. Kind of, he was kind of like James Atkinson before James Atkinson was James Atkinson. Um, but uh, yeah, his sons are running back from Miami. Miami apparently he didn't like splitting carries down there, but he's really talented. Uh, Carolina was number two out of school. I, that could be a guy. I don't know. I don't know. I need to talk to. Someone. I need to figure out if, if that's something they would they would look at but my goodness he would uh, he'd immediately be rb1 um i don't want to say even with mario coming back but he'd immediately be right up there rb1a uh, i think uh i think he's a pretty talented talented dude you know and i think that's quite frankly the type of guy they need to go get they need to get some dudes your thoughts yeah i mean they're they're not going to be able to go get a a proven power five running back who's rushed for a couple thousand yards during his career had a thousand yard season like that's you know we 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 saw last year that 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 probably wasn't going to be happening or, or that was going to be an uphill battle um so whether it's getting a guy from a lower level who's been really good like mario or getting a, a guy like don cheney for example who's had some some success and hadn't been you know a, a super awesome player but been pretty good and, and um they, they need by <laughs> Again, they need bodies at that position, and and not just warm bodies. Don't get me wrong; like, like they need guys who who are productive, been productive, and, and been pretty good, and, and can help um, bridge the gap. Like you know, Matthew Fuller's coming in, and people are excited about him, and maybe they can get another high school guy, and and of course they're going to try to sign some high school guys in the twenty twenty five class. So, um, to me, like ru- running back is a position where where if, if folks set their expectations reasonably for for what South Carolina tries to get, I, I think that that they could get some some solid pieces and and some some guys that the folks should feel pretty good about for next year. All right, so tell me this: uh, why, why won't they offer Trayvon Dunbar? That's a that's a big <laughs> point of discussion around here. He's he's a he's a really good high school player. I watch his highlights. I watch his tape, and I watch 
take for a guy like Matthew Fuller, for example. And Fuller looks like to me there's a difference in and how they move, how they change direction, how they how they look while they're running, like pad level, like they're not running straight up. They're 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 making guys miss and, and looking pretty fluid doing it. And I, and I don't always see that with Dunbar. I you know <laughs> Jalen McGill from from Broome up in your neck of the woods in Spartanburg, JC. Mm-hmm. That to me, I I watch those highlights and I'm like that that that's the whole whole deal. Like that's what it looks like. That's what an SEC running back looks like. Not just how good he is and making moves and all that, but like physically what he looks like. And Dunbar looks apart. Don't get me wrong, but I I, I see a, a, a mark a marked difference between those two guys. That that is. McGill is is the type of prospect that that South Carolina fans should be clamoring for the in-state running back who's really productive. Like to me, he's 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 it. That that's it. I really like Marquise Henderson, for example, because he's he makes all the moves, he does all the stuff that that you want to see a running back doing. But he looks like a guy who's probably going to have to play cornerback or, or receiver in college. He's just kind of skinny. Uh, there, there's a noticeable difference if you look at him, like the person next to like Trayvon Dunbar or, or Jalen McGill or even the David Cigar kid from Burns. Like, like there, there's <laughs> there's a body type that, that that people need to play running back in the SEC, and uh, I don't see it with Henderson. I, I do see it with Dunbar, but at the same, I, I don't see me personally. I, I just don't see the the quality of player that uh, that folks should should want at South Carolina at that position. Um, so that's all. I, it's not that I don't think he's any good. I got, I think he can play in college and, and have a good career. I just don't, I don't necessarily see that as, as, as a guy in the SEC, like he could come in and, and get carries and have some production, but I, you, this is, this is a business of getting the, the best players to help you win. And, and I think that South Carolina can do better at, at running back quite frankly. And, I know people don't like that. Like, there's been a lot of passionate discourse about that, and 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 all that, and that's great. But in my opinion, I just I just don't see that. I'm a little more concerned. All right, so flipping it, and, and we'll, we'll wrap up with you in a second. I'm a little more concerned about Jamar Boston and Yannick Smith going elsewhere yeah. and being good at receiver, and maybe it's just because I'm a little shell shocked by what happened with the previous staff where they let good receivers leave the state. And then you turn around and look at the receiver room and it's like, my God, there's nobody. Um, this program by and large thrives on in-state receivers. And just, just another one that, that came through this year that caught what 90 balls, uh, especially kind of under the radar ones. Uh, I don't know. I like, I like Boston a lot more than Smith. But but those two kind of worry me because I don't think they're going to offer. What say you about those two guys? Yeah, I I like Boston. He he reminds me of of Mazio Bennett a little bit. I think he and Mazio and Tyler Brown are, are similar types of types of players, similar size and all that. Uh, Smith Yannick Smith is is much different, obviously, where he's you know six two six three, uh, a big body. My my concern with Smith is is the speed. I don't know how fast he is, um, but he's got the big body and and long arms and has a good catch radius. Um, 
he's not as explosive as I would like to see, and that probably speaks to some of the, the speed uh, questions that I have. So uh, I, I do think he's a really good player, and, and part of me wonders if when he totally focuses on football, how good he could be because he's a really good basketball player at Somerville too. Um, mm. So he, he spends a lot of time playing that sport as well. And so with that, you would think that there's uh, some room to grow uh, as a player and, and maybe develop some of that speed uh, like I'm talking about. So, um, so yeah, I, I like them both a lot. Um, I, I think if they're you know, committed to South Carolina, that, it would be a, a nice, <laughs> nice receiver group, but um, you know, when when you've got only so many spots to go around on your roster, you know, you, you don't have to just sign twenty five. You can sign as many guys as you want, but you still got an eighty five to worry about. You still got other positions to worry about, and you know, we're just talking about receiver from the receivers from the portal being uh, being an option. So it, it's it's a juggling act, man. It's it's hard to it's hard to say they should get X amount of receivers from the high school level versus X amount of receivers from the portal. Um, because <laughs> you just, you just don't know uh, what's going to be out there in the portal. Like there could be some really productive players who could come in and help you immediately uh, and, and be really good. So it's, it, it's hard for me to, to get too hung up on which high school guys don't get offered, especially at that position. Yeah, I'm. I'm like, it, it, it's just a, something. Boston's kind of sticking in my mind as, uh, oh crap. The others, you know, we'll just wait and see. But uh, that's just my personal opinion, you know. And, and look, I told everybody, and we're not going to know anything about this for how many years? <laughs> for two or three years? Uh, yeah. Well, we can kind of look back and go, oh yeah, they missed on that one, you know. Right. Uh, and I always tell everybody, bad recruiting. Like everybody's like in the chat box going, this guy's not recruiting well, whatever. Bad recruiting is when you let good talent leave your state that you could get. And you're in a small state with limited talent. You know, it's okay for Georgia to, to have three or four or five NFL guys leave their state because they're going to have three or four or five NFL guys that they sign from in-state anyway. But if you're South Carolina, you could not afford that. You have to evaluate the state for the most part. Um, you know, and nobody's going to bat a thousand historically. There's guys like Richard Seymour and Tim Jennings who were good enough to play at Georgia, who, who the in-state's passed yeah. on, who went in the NFL and played a long time. Uh, nobody's batting a thousand, but you know, when you start getting into like talking about a position group being decimated, like, like it was under Muschamp and BMAC, and you're looking around the country at four or five guys that, that could come in and help you and they're elsewhere. I think that's when that's when there's a big problem. So, anyway, well, well hell, uh, we'll let you get back to it, man. Certainly appreciate all your work. I know you're going to be busy next couple of weeks, and Godspeed to you, and I'm sure we'll be talking. Yeah, appreciate you guys as always, and uh, thanks for, for having me on. It was a, a fun season, even though we had uh, more more bad games to talk about than good ones. Absolutely. <laughs> on to, onward uh, to basketball and uh, baseball and recruiting and – uh, the silly season of college football that is perpetual these days. So it'll be good. All right, fellas. Y'all y'all be well. All right. See Thanks, you. Thanks, All right. Good for everybody there. So uh, anyway, thank you to Hale McGranahan for that. Rick Casey mentions she have taken Jalen Lane from last year's portal. Jalen could have helped. That's my boy, Brian Lane's son. 
Uh, he went to Virginia Tech, uh, left Middle, Middle Tennessee. Um, Jalen's a good player, really good player. Uh, so was his daddy. His daddy uh, was a quarterback uh, when I played. So he, I caught my only touchdown pass from him in middle school. <laughs> so I know Jalen Lane very well, Rick, and certainly uh, I can't argue uh, with you there. Right, we got to hit a timeout. Um, you know, guys are talking about Braswell. I, I'm, I'm going to tell you this. I'm not sold. And I may be wrong, and I hope I am. I, I'm just not sold right now. Uh, but anyway, we'll be back in a moment. Uh, this is uh, Inside the Gamecocks the Show. Down here in the South, we don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams or what sauce, if any, goes best on a rack of ribs or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a Southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in Southern soil, are crafted by Southern hands, and proudly represent the South in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the South. Welcome to Palm Casual Patio Furniture. Because we are the factory, Palm Casual has the ability to offer the highest quality outdoor furniture paired with world-class service. Since 1979, our factory showrooms have done our best to make the buying process as easy as possible for our customers. Our understanding of the many factors that go into your decision has helped us create our 30-day trial period that increases the level of comfort our customers feel during the shopping experience. Visit us in Somerville and online at palmcasual.com. Gamecock owned and operated. Michael Campbell arrived at South Carolina in 2003 after growing up in Virginia and was dubbed the Winchester Rifle by Gamecock's great Tommy Moody in the broadcast booth. He left in 2006 a legend. A career 315 hitter and 20th round draft pick of the San Diego Padres, Campbell was first all-time in games played at bats and triples, second all-time in hits with 299 singles and total bases, third all-time in doubles, top 10 in runs scored and RBI, and he hit 31 home runs in his career for the Gamecocks. Now he's passing his knowledge to the next generation through his business, Soup's Swing Shop. If your son or daughter wants to improve their game, Soup's Swing Shop offers virtual lessons. Mike will connect with you, diagnose your swing, and create a special game plan to help improve it. Call him at 859-414-8240. Email soupsswingshop at gmail.com or find them on social media and on the Chief Sports app. Soup's Swing Shop. Play ball. Welcome home. That's what the Gamecocks say, and so does the Barn Doe Company, where they can build your dream home starting as low as $160 per square foot. If you live in the Carolinas, Georgia, or Tennessee, their turnkey process takes just four to six months on average and can be custom designed by size and details. Make your dream a reality. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barn Doe Company. Gamecock, owned and operated. 
The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama Columbia and go Charleston Fitness Equipment is keeping South Carolina in shape. Clients have come from all over the Palmetto State to find that one piece of equipment that they enjoy that keeps them looking and feeling good. Whether it's a home rower, treadmill, elliptical, free weights, a home gym, or something else, Charleston Fitness Equipment keeps the mirror smiling back at you. Get in shape like the Gamecocks do. Visit charlestonfitnessequipment.com. Gamecock owned and operated and proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Cold Joe here. And when I'm not eating average jambalaya or celebrating endless summer in Destin, I like to eat pimento cheese straight off the bucket. Mmm. And the only pimento cheese I like to eat is from Nana's Porch. It's award-winning. It'll melt in your mouth. It's good on a cracker. It's good in a bowl. It's good on a piece of bread. Also, don't forget Nana's Porch has a hell of a food truck. It's award-winning as well. And they're here for all of your catering needs. So get online. Nana'sPorch.com. It's mm-mm good. Coach O signing off. In the summer, go Tiger. For chicken cock, we get a medium to medium plus toast, the char level. We use a number three level char. If you char it too deep, you start burning away some of those flavor components that you just created. If you just char a barrel and you don't toast it, you're going to create some of those flavors just on a thin layer just inside the char, but not the actual depth and full extent of flavors uh, that you're going to get if you toast it properly. All those elements, that's exactly what they do. They boil down to great flavor. If you're in the real estate market in the low country or even in the Midlands, please contact me, JB, with Coast to Coast Realty SC. Go Gamecocks. This break is presented by Billy G's Carolina Barbecue, the state newspaper's 2023 winner for best catering, best barbecue, and best food truck. Visit BillyG'sCarolinaBarbecue.com for all of your catering needs. Ladies and gentlemen, here it is. Back everybody inside the Gamecocks, the show. JC and Phil in with you on a Tuesday. JB's a little under the weather, but we are still here live from the Sinorama Studios, and of course, built by the Barn Doco, served by everybody's favorite chicken cock whiskey. JC, you know, thinking about what Pat and Marco said, and I thought about it over the weekend. You know, this team just never really put together a, a game in all three phases right this year yeah um maybe it, vandy it, maybe vandy but dude and that might be it yeah yeah but no, beyond that this, it was like vandy's a 
No, I know. Even then, you still could have. Yeah, there were still things left on the table in that game. But, you know, it's like, you know, those sci-fi movies like Star Trek and things like that, where it's like they have to divert power from one thing to the other, you know, you know, divert power from this to shields or whatever. And it's just like all year long. Scotty it was the bridge. Like, Scotty yeah. the bridge. You didn't have enough power to run the whole damn ship all the time. <laughs> Our flux capacitor, the flux capacitor wasn't working. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's kind of crazy. But uh, yeah, yeah the poor Vanderbilt, man. The defense, so um, yep. I saw they fired their strength coach. And um, <laughs> I'm not surprised. I mean, that team didn't look like they lifted weights when they came to town. Um <laughs> Poor guys, both both their quarterbacks transferred. Yeah, gone. The, the big dude, the big stiff dude. I mean, he, he's a little stiff. I mean, he, he's a good like gadget player guy, but the big dude's still there. But uh, Swan and Seals are like, see ya, I'm out, dude. I just don't. Uh, I'm just like, man, oh man, what in the world? Uh, you could, I mean, you know, we, you know, I, and I'll point out like the misery, in the misery loves company department. And then I'll say this about Justin step because there's some discussion about it in the misery loves company department. Okay. Vanderbilt. I know there's not a lot, not a lot of Vanderbilt fans, but boy, they are in trouble. I mean, you want to talk about no NIL money, none, all the, all that they've, all those people up there that they and they they've got money they they're they're one of the richest schools in the sec their endowment's unbelievable i mean they they've got money to burn they just don't spend it on sports uh, and so and, and all the nil money's gone to baseball because they're championship level baseball right there and they know that their little advantage they've had with giving these quote-unquote academic scholarships in baseball is going to go away with nil elsewhere um, you know, cause that's what they've done for years. You know, baseball, you get 11.7 scholarships. Vandy would supplement that with this quote unquote academic money. And <laughs> so you get a $40,000 a year scholarship for nothing. It's a no brainer to go play baseball there. Nashville, Vandy boys, you know, they're kind of like the Texas A&M of college baseball too. It's just like, I don't, I don't care for their antics or the whistler or any of that crap, but they're poured it all into that. So football's got none. So what do you do? I mean, you, you, you can go evaluate as like Bruce, like, uh, like uh, what's his name? Johnson, Bobby Johnson did and build a team that can compete or, or James Franklin did and, and win some battles. But the minute you get a good player, they're going to leave like Ray Davis did yeah. uh, or your quarterbacks this year or, or whoever. Um, so it's just uh, – you know, and then so he fired their strength coach, and I, I kind of agree because those guys didn't look, uh, didn't look, they just didn't look very physical, Phil, when they came to <laughs> Columbia. Um, I mean, so I don't know. So that was probably that was, offense, defense, and special teams played well that game. So I, I will give them that game. Uh, you know, otherwise, like Furman, defense played well for a half. First half was sort of, lack of a better term, embarrassing. Um, what else? Uh, played well on defense first half against Georgia and offense second half, not so much. I mean, you know, so it's just, um, it's just one of those things, you know, you know, and Craig, look, when you have freshmen on the offensive line, you're going to get moved backward in this league, buddy. I mean, that's just the truth, you know, big tree, uh, 
held his own. Trevon Ball held their own. They're naturally strong kids, but that's just the way it is uh, in this league. Um, you're not you're not ever. I don't care how good you recruit on the offensive line. You're not ever going to totally dominate up front. Just don't. Just put it out of your mind. <laughs> now you can be good. You can you can certainly be ten times better than this year's group. Uh, you know, but it's it's a it is an uphill battle. It's an uphill battle. And 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 I, quite frankly, though, I'd rather go to war with um, the dudes they got coming in than maybe some dudes they've had. Just because the physicality and the size is there, and the girth and the athleticism combo is there, with guys like Josiah Thompson and Cam Pringle and Travon Ball and Big Tree and Marky Anderson, those types of guys. So that's uh, that's just how it goes. Um, so I, uh, you know, I, I I do think that if you if you had a plan for the the young guys on the O line this summer or this off season. You know, Case and Henry. My plan is going to be: uh, you need to uh, you need to rest and get healthy. Don't don't worry about it. We'll get you back in shape. For all the other ones, just get a whole lot stronger, a whole lot stronger. Okay. But uh, you know, and, and look, Tree Tree was Tree struggled not as bad as Sidney Fugar though. Uh, and and Tree, I don't know that after he got banged up a little bit that he was all that healthy toward the end either. You know, I think he just kind of went back out there. Is his long-term position guard? Probably. I wouldn't count on it next year just because, you know, how how good are Pringle and Thompson going to be to start off with next year? You know, they're true freshmen. Uh, regardless of how talent, how much upside they have, they're true freshmen. Now, some guys at some schools, and I've seen in Alabama a bunch recruiting this level of guy, they do. They 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 put their best dude at, as an offensive tackle at, at starting at, as a true freshman, and it works out great. Um, you can't count on that though. So no. that's the deal. You don't want to do that on both sides, probably. You know, and there's not. I mean, you know, there's so many what ifs that surround the line with just the lack of continuity for the first what eight games. I agree, Phil, but shoot, toward and toward the end, I think it's probably something different. I, I think I think a lot of people are just banged up and, and just I mean Well that's what I think too is that the, they the did run blocking that was run blocking if your body's hurting and you're you are injured, uh it's probably a little harder to do that than to drop back and try to pass protect. Uh yeah. and the run blocking the pass blocking up until Clemson was just was pretty okay, okay, I would say. Yeah. Not great, but okay. The run blocking just disappeared uh, after Vandy, maybe. Just disappeared. I mean, I, I don't think it was that good against Jacksonville State either. Like I said, Vandy's Vandy. Um, no, yeah, there were there were definite issues, and I agree with you on the pot- potentially ball when he got back from that injury. Just not – he didn't look the same. He, he, he just wasn't playing the same. Yeah. Uh, Howard says, does it hurt when you have two influences with Teasley and Atkins? Nah. And they're on the same page. I mean, yeah. one, one could I doubt argue. they'd be allowed to give different. <laughs> something different. Could ball play center? Yeah, he or Marquis could long-term. Um, so we'll see what happens there. Somebody says Cam struggled. Who, who, what do you mean Cam struggled a little bit? Mm. Define that for me. 
I, I want to know. Uh, not that I'm arguing with you. I just need I, what who who's saying that. Uh, is Jalen Nichols coming back? It's possible. He'll be a seventh-year guy, I think, if he comes back. So that that was a big loss because if you think toward the end of last year, he had really nailed down that left tackle spot. Yeah. And then they were like, all right, we got our left tackle. Now let's build around that. And him going down to the spring game was just atrocious. That's when it all started to go downhill, Phil. Spring game. It did. It did. They tried their best to not allow it to affect it quite so much. But then I mean, that North Carolina game, JC, really just set it all. I mean, it set a tone for the year, you know? I mean, just Rattler being sacked so many times, not being able to get any push-up front, and it's just like you're just hoping they could get it fixed or get some mix right, but it, you know, just never did come to fruition. Yeah, uh, I will, yeah, and we'll see. But, you know, the bottom line is help is on the way. South Carolina's never recruited recruited like this. Uh, recruited like this on the offensive line, and we'll see. Yeah, uh, Jackson, I, mean, I, I hope you're not going off the 24-7 sports guys on that because that's just not – they don't know. That's 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 the one, one of the worst evaluations I've ever seen on a player. The, the 24-7 evaluation of Cam Pringle. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, for, first, it was that he's, you know, he's too overweight. Then now he's not, now, now he's clearly not overweight. Well, he's just not that good. I don't know, you know, and that's their opinion. Hey, maybe they're right. Maybe they're right. Um, but we got three years to determine that. Yeah. Oh, my God. All right. So, Matt, did you not hear me earlier? Three days after finishing five and seven, we offered more Ivy League players the recipe for failure. They, they offered one Ivy League player. Last year, and it was Nick Gargiulo. So, is Nick Gargiulo the reason that the offensive line sucked, dude? Was he the problem? That's what you're saying. Was he the problem? No, <laughs> no. <laughs> and, and, and and number two, everybody else in the country's offered some of these Ivy League guys. Are they wrong too? Is that a recipe for failure? And number three, did you not listen to the segment where we just said, "Hey, the reason those guys are getting offered is they they're they're able to get offered because the portal doesn't open for everybody else until Monday." That's right. That's why you hear their names first. So, I mean, what in the world, dude? I mean, come on, man. That, that stuff like that drives me crazy. There are enough problems around here without people making bullshit problems up. And that's a bullshit. That's not a problem that they recruit guys from lower levels or that they went to the Ivy League, for God's sake. Two things have come to the Ivy League for this program. Nick Gargiulo and Craig Fitzgerald both turned out pretty damn good. We'll be back in a minute. Hey folks, it's JB, and as we all know, it's football season. My favorite place to shop for myself and the family is Gamecock Traditions in Lexington. They have the widest selection of Gamecocks attire, plus all the cool accessories for tailgating, cooking, kids, shoes, hats, and so much more. Most importantly for me, you can order online at GamecockTraditions.com, and it's shipped timely to your door. I've been shopping here for years, and I hope you will too. Order online right now on the Chief Sports app. Go Gamecocks. Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. 
If you're on Medicare currently or approaching eligibility, it's time to enroll in a Medicare plan that meets your needs. Palmetto Medicare is here to help you through the process. Palmetto Medicare's owner, Brian Spencer, and his team of experts are here to assist you. Learn about the benefits and enroll in the plan that will cover as many of your medical costs as possible. Some of the advantages of Medicare health plans may include a variety of plan choices, increased benefits, lower premiums, and more. Give Palmetto Medicare a call to discuss your insurance and help get the exact coverage for your needs today. Nana's Porch, nanasporch.com. At Nana's Porch, they cater weddings, parties, and all kinds of special events. Their meals are served buffet style in seconds. They're encouraged. Plus, they can bring their mobile food unit to bring on-site and serve your guests as a unique alternative for your catering needs. Inquire about rentals as well. Nana'sPorch.com. Find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 336-259-7550. South Carolinians, this message is for you, as well as for people in Georgia, Florida, and Tennessee. If you think you may need work done to your roof or a new roof altogether, there's one simple name to remember, Elite Roofing and Restoration. South Carolina native Jeremy Johnson has been helping people in the South make sure they have the very best people checking on and building new roofs for over 25 years. Fully licensed, bonded, and insured, they provide the best service possible. Call or email today, 678-781-1998. That's 678-781-1998, or you can go to EliteRoofing.com. GA.com. Schedule a no-hassle free inspection today. Wind damage, hail damage, or just wear and tear. Don't settle for second best. Let Jeremy Johnson and Elite Roofing and Restoration take care of it all for you today.
to the Power Hour with Mike Morgan. Welcome to the Power Hour with Mike Morgan. Man, That's right. we, so yeah. nice to get we got twice. Gary on, on double that. after the double on JC and Morgan. Welcome back. I did. Well, I looped that number one from Gary yesterday real well. Number one. <laughs> one. Remix Gary one. into all number sorts one. of different one. things. Number, number one. Numero uno. Wait, what do you have different languages? Number one. Yeah. Numero uno. <laughs> Un. uh, okay. Um all right. Anyway, so, Mike's here. Hey, Mike. Uh, yeah. Hey, Mike. Uh, <laughs> hey, everybody. Has the, has, has the train in in relation to the tracks? It's on there. Um, All right. I'll circle back with Matt real quick. Um, okay. Your criticism of Lonnie Teasley. That's fine. We're going to find out. Okay. Uh, I think he had a really tough situation. I don't think there's many O line coaches in the country that could. Uh, do any better with the number of injuries he had and the youth and the depth and all that, but that's fine. I, I think that's a fair point. But Gargiulo, I mean, the Ivy League thing, the, the, I don't know what you're watching. Did you watch Nick play? Or are you just assuming? Oh, Ivy League. That's Therefore, all five of them suck. I mean, Gargiulo was the probably the best one. <laughs> Outside of Rashawn Lee, I mean, I, I, I think Gargiulo and Lee, they were the most consistent two players on the line all season. Yeah, my point is, it doesn't matter season. where the players come from. Stop. I mean, you guys want to get on Fugar and Jackson Hughes. Those guys were late additions. Fugar still got two more years. Kind of a project guy, was never intended to start to begin with. Hughes was a freaking walk-on, Okay. And and they got to the point after Nichols went down, they needed to take some bodies and just take a chance. Those were not the top portal targets. Those were not guys that they even sniffed until it got down to nitty gritty. And like, oh crap, we got to get some guys. All right, and Fugar does have two more years. So I mean, look, fine, whatever. But that has nothing. The fact those guys are from Charlotte and Western Illinois has nothing to do with their struggles, right? You know, I'll remind everybody, South Carolina does not beat Clemson last year. If it not for a transfer from Wingate, who made a big play, a transfer from James Madison, who made several big plays, a transfer from East Tennessee, who made a lot of big plays. I mean, it doesn't matter, you know, and that's what I'm saying. Keep an open mind. You know, Carolina's gotten uh, got a kid from Nebraska, Jakeem Green, never played. Got a kid from Georgia, Lavoisier Carroll, retired from football. Uh, Jerron Willis showed some signs of life sort of later in the season, came from Ole Miss. I mean, it doesn't, you know, look at the player, not where they're from. You know, and the NFL draft every year should show you that. They don't all come from Power 5 schools, and there's no correlation, you know. I mean, it's it's uh, that Newberry running back. I forgot about that. You know, he kind of – they would have had no running game had it not for, been for a running back from Newberry. Look yes, at the running back from freaking Missouri. Than any of the Ivy Leaguers up there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just, I mean, Gargiulo was the least of the problems on the O-line. So, uh, and I understand, you know, if you listen to the first segment, and I see you didn't, so I apologize. Uh, I said, look, these offers right now are going out, because everybody in the country is offering these Ivy League kids, because the in the Ivy League, you can't get a fifth year of eligibility. So you're going to see a lot of Ivy League transfers populate Power 5 football uh, because instead of going to the NFL, they go and play big-time football. And every one of those guys Carolina's offered, I think, has 15, 16 offers 
from other Power Five programs. I mean, it's not, uh, and it's just the timing of it. Those are the guys you can go offer now. The rest of them, unless they're a grad transfer, you have to wait till the portal opens on Monday. So just chill. Uh, Lonnie Teasley, fine. You, I mean, you don't want to say you don't say the line was poorly coached. There are people that believe that. So I don't. I don't think that's a. That's not an asinine opinion. That's not a minority opinion. Uh, we'll find out because he's about to, uh, the talent and the injury thing, ho- hopefully on injuries. The, the talent thing's about to not be a reason anymore because they, they've got talent. They're stacking talent on top of talent. So we'll see about that, you know, at the end of the day. But, um, hey, you know, whatever. That's fine. <laughs> it's over. Hey, Mike, how you doing? Hey, fellas. What's happening? Morning. Oh, just, you know, rehashing the season. <laughs> this really brings uh, up a lot of great emotions and makes people feel really good. Well, today. yeah, I mean, I figured it might. I figured it might. Um, you know, what is it, uh, 48 hours now? No, 72 hours. Yeah, a little less than 72, actually. It's a night game. So, yeah, it's still there. I, I coined uh, on yesterday on uh, J.C. and Morgan – I coined a, kind of a, a new phrase for us to use. We have a few. We have kind of our own nomenclature on that. Uh, like JC's got the caged animal syndrome higher, which I think is nice. So that's the perfect description for what a lot of schools feel like they have to do. Which, by the way, Jimbo Fisher was a caged animal syndrome higher, and <laughs> he's now getting $77 million to not coach again. Mm. Um, but the uh, the term I used was pound of flesh loss, and every program has them. Uh, Saturday was a pound of flesh loss. In other words, your fan base in this ca- in this case the Gamecock fan base wants a pound of flesh. I mean, they're pissed, they're angry, they're disappointed. Kind of a cumulative effect over what happened all year long, and it, now it is. I-, I want answers. I want heads to roll. I want things to happen. Uh, I want to confront J.C. Sherbert in, in, in chat row. <laughs> I want, I'm mad, damn it, and you're not going to make me feel better about it. So uh, that's, what, that's what Saturday was. Uh, and look, I talked about this on another show this morning. You can call it excuses. You can call it whatever you want. I, I don't care. A couple people got on me on, on the morning show with uh, Teddy Hefner going, you know, kind of that same nonsense of not saying sunshine pumping, but you get the idea. Like, how dare you be the least bit positive? Look, the fact of the matter is, and we, and we saw it in week one, and Phil, you, you, you touched on it. I mean, that was a harbinger of things to come. And that was before some of the other injuries on the offensive line happened. But you couldn't block. And yeah, North Carolina's better on defense, but they're not that damn good. You basically went 12 games in a, a scheduling gauntlet in the SEC and a Tar Heel team having one of its better years and a Clemson team that was quote-unquote down but still a problem defensively, and you couldn't block anybody. You couldn't block anybody. And so you take that and you take a, an offense that had one game-breaker, one, because you take Juice Wells out, who – a lot of people had rated ahead of Jaden Daniels in terms of impact players in the SEC this year. I'll read you a list by Connor O'Gara later. Um, and I'm not being critical of the list. I'm just telling you, Juice Wells, it's real easy to forget, pretty damn good. But you take him away, and all you have is Xavier Leggett to game plan against. Nobody else is afraid of anybody else on that offense this year. 
You had some guys overachieve. You have some guys that are going to be good down the road. But you had an offensive line that couldn't block anybody, and you had one guy for Spencer Rattler to really uh, go to. The rest of the time, they could just pin their ears back and knock the crap out of your uh, quarterback that's the most athletically gifted probably in the history of the school. So it's frustrating. I get it. But if you turn it forward, I can't imagine that the defense won't be better in 2024 than it was in 2023. And I can't imagine the offensive line player uh, play won't be better in 2024 than 2023. You can call that being positive. You can call it whatever you want to call it. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll die on that hill if nothing else. And the rest of it, uh, to have a shot at bowl eligibility with all the other problems that you have, sorry. I mean, I, I, I think this team is exactly where it was supposed to be based on the talent, based on the injuries. Uh, you have one that you really wanted back. You completely blanked the bed in the final 10 minutes against Florida. Should have never lost that game. Other than that, honestly, not a single game or result was a, a big surprise to me. No, no, you just and you let a couple of opportunities go, and then you know I think that's uh, you hit on it too, Mike. What made made Saturday hurt so much worse is because you were two and sixteen heading into this month, and then you won three straight games, <laughs> and you're like, we got it, that's it, six and six, we're going to a bowl, it's over, yeah. and then just you know, well, it's and, then and, and that happened on the field, and you're like, wow. They didn't to your point, Phil, to, to your point, <laughs> I, I think if you would have told the average person out there, uh, you're going to hold Clemson to zero offensive touchdowns, Yep, you would have said, okay, I'm, I'm taking those odds. Yeah. Uh, but the problem is, I mean, one thing Clemson does well, I mean, they, they get after you on the line of scrimmage. They clearly were pushing Carolina around. Um, I'm sure play calling has been brought up in the last couple of shows, right? You know, I mean, a pound of flesh on the offensive coordinator because you didn't score a touchdown um, or you only scored one. And even that one, if it wasn't for Luke Doty taking, uh, pardon my French, a crap burger and turning it into a a touchdown, that should have been a loss of three on the play. Um, So you're you're just sitting there and you can – put that under the the microscope as well with the play calling should have been better this should have been better that should I just saw a Clemson team that dominated the line I saw Spencer Rattler doing what he's been doing most of the year which is running for his life having one significant threat who again got banged up in that game in Leggett um and and so you just you got stifled you got stifled so it's it sucks you know you'd rather lose like 30 to 28 nobody likes being basically shut down on offense but uh other than that, I mean, the, that game was what it was. I think, that again, the cumulative effect of the season is is the bigger deal, yeah. you know, because yeah. people were th- we're talking, what, seven, eight wins? Some people might have been more optimistic than that. I don't know about you guys. I never thought the offensive line was going to be that bad. I just didn't. And, I thought and here's seven a, or eight. Yeah. North Carolina, if you'd have played them later, maybe, maybe it's different. Agreed. You know? I, I totally agree. Clemson. Yeah, that was – it was a swing game. Should have been enough to beat them. Um, it wasn't. But uh, and then Florida, that's it. And then, and in Florida, um, I mean, hell, that same Kentucky team that Carolina beat went to a top ten Louisville and <laughs> freaking won the game. So don't don't ever don't ever poo poo a win against Kentucky. I'm sorry, that's that's still no, a good no, win. Nobody does around here anymore. After, yeah, I mean, after they shouldn't. Won like five, six, seven in a row. You know, right? You you, you, you shouldn't. I, that's for I, I sure. See you have your Kentucky blue on today, Mike. 
but that's awesome. oh, my Dunder Mifflin shirt. Oh, Dunder Mifflin. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's my. That's where I work on the side. When I'm not doing this show and calling games, I'm I'm doing a little paperwork at uh, Dunder Mifflin. But uh, but you know, one thing I'll say too, I was thinking about this. Like, I've seen teams that have a bad quarterback in week one, and you go to the backup, and he winds up being the solution. I, I've seen teams that, you know, all of a sudden they got to play a true freshman at wide receiver and it takes them four or five weeks, and then all of a sudden he gets it and then he becomes an impact player. When you don't have an offensive line, you can't call up AAA, right? There's not like three of them at Gwinnett, and you say, hey, we, uh, yeah, is he ready? Yeah, go ahead, get him a plane ticket, send him to Columbia. Okay, he'll be there. He'll be starting on Saturday at left guard. Fantastic. That's great. You don't have that in college football. You don't have – uh, which you, a practice squad like you do in the NFL, where you make a couple of phone calls and all of a sudden you plug the holes. When you got a, a line that can't block and a bunch of injuries on it, you're screwed, buddy. I mean, there's just nothing you can do to fix. There's no moves you have left. And I'll say one other thing on the play calling, if, if that's still a thing. Do you realize how many plays that Dow Loggins is probably sitting there saying, I wish I could use this, but we can't block, so I can't do it. I can't do that play that – you know, a double move for a wide receiver that takes more time and protection. I can't do a lot of plays that would require more time for Spencer Rattler. Spencer can only buy so much time before he gets hit and you start hearing footsteps and everything else. It's the I think it's the worst possible thing to be in dire straits with. I'd almost rather have my quarterback go down with a bunch of talent around him, and at least then I can go ground and pound and have them complete a few third and intermediates and still win games. But when you can't block anybody, it's just a really crappy situation to be in. And that's what this offense was in for the better part of 12 weeks. It never really got any better. And we said all preseason, too, not to toot our own horns because I wish it didn't turn out this way, that South Carolina had a chance to be good on the offensive line. I said guys like Nichols and Lee and Moore and and, and, and all those cats – uh, they needed to play their best football ever. Well, some of them did. Some of them – Ja'Kai was hurt all year. I mean, he, he finally, you know, uh, taped himself up and went in there like for the last four games. Vershawn uh, had a bad injury against Florida that I'm surprised he came back from. Um, you know, uh, even, even Big Tree and Travon got hurt at some point. So – uh, it was as bad a situation on the offensive line injury-wise as it was since 99, and the Gamecocks lost every game that year. Uh, it's sort of like Muschamp's third year when the defense got completely depleted. You guys remember that? Oh, yeah. You remember Absolutely. Guys, guys, y'all remember scoring 50, uh, 35 against Clemson and rolling up 600 yards, and you couldn't stop them? They had almost 800 yards of offense, and – there was a walk-on uh, long snapper in there at the end at one point because they just didn't have anybody else. Uh, Josh Belk had a big game and Rick Sandage, and they were freshmen. I mean, it was – you know, that's kind of the same situation they got into on the O-line this year. Um, but it's not to make excuses because, you know what, they, even with all that those issues, you should have scored more against Clemson, and it was your mistake that gave them their only touchdown. Okay. And you should have beaten Florida. And, and the defense was not decimated by injuries. The defense was, a, frankly, a coaching issue uh, until they fixed it. And give Clayton White credit for fixing it. Mm-hmm. You know, he went to a different scheme, put a third linebacker on the field. 
That needed to happen earlier. Worked um, for Charlie Strong. I worked for Charlie Strong. And and when you have another when you have a linebacker like Stone Blanton, Stone's a good player, guys. Everybody says, Oh, he sucks. Well, when you only have two linebackers and you're expecting him to do things that like a fast, you know, speedy linebacker should do uh laterally, cover tight ends and, and the like, you know, like a guy like Sherrod Green should have been, or a guy like Mokaba should have been, um, before they got hurt. You know, that's that's a recipe for disaster and it threw everybody else off too. And then then you had safeties covering slot guys and all that good stuff. If you notice going to the three three five, that allowed the secondary to kind of settle in. And Nick and Emanuore and DQ Smith got back to being the guys we saw at the end of last year. I think that's positive moving into the next season. Uh yeah, agreed. It's good. Actually, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say no coincidence that Nick played his two best games under that in that formation and not, you know, having to cover slot receivers in the nickel. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It is interesting because to go back to the pound of flesh, a lot of, for a lot of people that was going to be quite white. Right. And so now what do you do? Because you just, all of a sudden defense was really the highlight the last couple of weeks. So I don't, I don't know. I mean, I just saw Florida. Uh, I don't know if we're going to do the drive around the SEC today or tomorrow, but Florida just hired, uh, just fired two defensive coaches, including their co-defensive two, coordinator. Two guys with really good reputation. I, I was going to, I'm glad you said that, JC. I mean, <laughs> I, I mean as I watch and I, I look at all these coaches that are getting axed, these are coaches anybody would have hired. These were oh, not yeah. like long shot hires. Like you look at Corey Raymond and Sean Spencer and look at their biographies. <laughs> These are guys that were like totally qualified to do good Yo. things. You look at the LSU coaching staff and you look at the personnel and and you hit it yesterday uh, on the head, JC, on JC and Morgan. Uh, there's just no excuse for LSU to play that bad a defense. And so now they need more. They need like 10 pounds of flesh to understand how you've got Mason Smith who's going to be a first round draft pick and you you've got a guy that you know last year if you go back and I'll, I'll go back to that uh Connor O'Garrelis he's got Harold Perkins behind Brock Bowers as the number 2 impact player for this year in the SEC preseason. Harold Perkins was everybody's darling. They were talking about Harold Perkins like he's Lawrence Taylor. Did you hear much of Harold Perkins making plays this year for LSU? Um in part they changed his position on the field. How do you do that? But they did it. Uh, I saw them do it in the spring game that we covered, and I was scratching my head then, seven months later. I still can't figure out how you take Harold Perkins, and it's almost like a non-factor. The point being is that all these coaches, veteran coaches, hired uh, very qualified coaches to run their – Matt House for LSU, take a look at his background. He's not exactly chopped liver. But all these guys are getting getting whacked – because they didn't get the results this year. I, I, sometimes it's it goes above and beyond just coaching. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there's just something there that's that's not clicking for whatever and, reason. And Matt House, their D coordinator, I mean, he coached for Stoops at Kentucky in yes. some of their better years and <laughs> yes. was his D.C. I mean, it's not like he didn't have a pedigree either at LSU. Florida surprises me. It's a little desperate. Corey Raymond – I say when Corey Raymond was at LSU, like he would go into South Florida and sign a ton of talent. Uh, he, I, I no idea why they got rid of him. Sean Spencer, he's kind of he was at Vandy for a while. Was I think under 
under Franklin. I think he was at Penn State. I mean, he's, he's had some good guys, but I mean, I don't know. I, I just know that Austin Armstrong, their, their D coordinator, you know, they kind of hired him late last year, Mike, you know, he was, he was at uh, Alabama as their, their linebackers coach. And then Napier hired him. I don't remember who left off that staff. He looks uh, like maybe somebody 15, to go back to by the NFL. way. Yeah. So maybe he wants his own guys, but I mean, maybe this is, they don't get along or whatever, but, they were Honestly, not good on defense this year. They were they were atrocious. Um, they set an all time Florida record. I just read they, they had a streak. I didn't realize it was this bad. They allowed thirty nine points or more in four consecutive games at Florida. Thirty nine or more four consecutive games. Yo, they, they, they gave up seven hundred and one and a loss to LSU. I mean, just like. They do recruit kids over there. They still had to figure out how to stop Daniels. They didn't stop Daniels in the swamp last year either. They no, I mean, uh, but there not not many people did stop Daniels. But I mean, four four straight games of thirty nine or more, and that's one of those two. You're Billy. You're three games under five hundred in Gainesville, so you you don't have a choice. You got to fire. You got to start firing coaches. That's I, I always call it the get out of jail free card. It's not. It wasn't my bad. It was. It was these guys, and so it. You know, that's what the fans want. There's your pound of flesh. Does that mean Florida's any better next year? I don't know. <laughs> uh, you look at that schedule. They might be five and seven in 2024, and if if so, then you got like a 30 million dollar buyout for Billy Napier sta- staring you in the face. Yeah. Now, um, yeah. <laughs> just uh, yeah, interesting. Like, although Florida did escape Columbia with a victory. And we all have to admit that around here. I would not trade places with them. Just because yeah. you're like, this is, they're in uncharted. Carolina could take a losing season. Okay. We've had, they've been plenty, right? Through the years. Uh, it's more rare now than it was before 2000 when Lou Holtz turned everything around. It is rare. It does sting a little more than maybe it did in the 80s and not, especially the 90s, which were, the 90s were a great, great decade for all of us sitting here. Right, boys, us Gen Xers, we, we remember the '90s fondly. Nirvana smells I like Teen Spirit. Teen, I mean, dude, uh, it was uh, it was great. Grunge, the Clinton good, good run for hip hop. Good hip hop was awesome. Yeah, hip hop had a good oh, yeah. run in the '90s. Tremendous movies that are still timeless classics like Absolutely. Braveheart and Forrest Gump. And, Gump, you know, even our generational movies like Reality Bites and, and, and Empire Records and Singles and all that, dude. You know, just let's let's play the Lemonheads and celebrate. Anyway, <laughs> do you guys realize how bad Carolina football was during that decade? <laughs> <laughs> Yo, they went to one bowl game. Brad Scott's <laughs> first year, the Carjack Bowl or Carquest Bowl. I'm sorry, and they did win it for their first bowl win in school history. Other than that, nada, nothing. A few six and five seasons where they turned down bowls for some reason. It was, they were awful. And, and that decade ended in an 0-11. I know, I was there so, for it. So, so the standard's a little bit higher here, you know, now. But we, you can still take a losing season around here. I mean, it's not nobody's kind of like above that, like the sky's falling. Well, now think about Florida in the 90s. Like, uh, they, uh, boom, they were the best, one of, probably the best program in the country for a while. Well, they won while. six SEC titles in the 90s. It, 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 and if they okay. had a playoff back then, they'd and have won natty. four or five national championships. With I'm no question. And, 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 and then the 2000s, they won two more titles. Yeah. And more, 
and more SEC championships, and now they just had their third losing year in a row Season for the first time since the 1940s, just after World War II. I mean, you probably were like recruiting guys off the street, you know, because you, most of the college-age football players were, were sent to, to Europe and fight, and so you're like, hey, hey Bob, the plumber, uh, can you play left guard? Well, I can try it. Okay, you're, 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 here's a scholarship. I mean, that's that's the last time Florida football had three straight yeah, you're, losing you're, seasons. You're, you're playing like the YMCA against 30-year-old men because, you know, it's like you can't find anybody else to play. I get it, yeah. But the 90s, I mean, so so think about being Florida right now. You're You're in totally uncharted territory. You fired a really good coach in Dan Mullen. I don't think for a minute Dan Mullen would have had losing seasons the last two years. He wasn't recruiting like Georgia, but neither is Billy Napier. That class they got, it's a pretty good class. At the end of the day, it'll be a lot like the same class as Dan Mullen and Jim McElwain and Will Muschamp signed. Okay? Because the kid's flipping, you mean. Yeah. You don't have a dynamic offense like every other coach that's won there has had. Uh, it, poor, I mean, like, and, I, and I'm not picking on Napier personally. I mean, he's 2-0 and against Carolina, so you can't really say much, but – you want to talk about Forrest Gump. I mean, that dude doesn't do much. To, I mean, you know, for a fan base that's used to guys that kind of live on the edge, even Mullen being a jerk sometimes and kind of being a different guy and a guy that, you know, some people thought was naked next to a shark that said there's a death threat to Will freaking Muschamp, boom, you know, back to Urban Meyer, who's, uh, you know, as the years have gone by, we've learned a lot about him and, and the Zucker and and then starting with the head ball coach, boring is not in win or lose. Boring is not part of the Gator nomenclature. Is that a they, is that a word? Or it is part of the Gator vocabulary. Right? No, nomenclature is a word. Absolutely, they'd, they'd uh, rather be anything but boring down there. And 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 now they're boring and losing. Yeah, yeah, and <laughs> and and maybe the most undisciplined team in college football. If you watched any other games this year, uh, I mean, they had two guys commit a targeting penalty at the same time on a play that would have sent Florida State off the field with a punt with a, a one-score game in the fourth quarter. They had another player spitting on a guy. They had another player hitting the arm of an assistant coach because he was trying to hold him back from getting into it. I mean, just bad on bad. Uh, pre-snap penalties, I don't know. They might have led the country in, in that category. But to, to your bigger point? Same program that got knocked out of a pl potential playoff in 2020 for throwing another player's shoe. With a kid throwing a shoe, uh, I think it was Marco Wilson, and that's, that's and under Mullen. Marco Wilson's actually a good kid. I know his dad. Marco's the least of the – Marco and Quincy are the least of the problems in Florida through the years. Well, I mean, I mean this is what on. we talk about. It's, it's sometimes culture. You know, because I mean, it is. let's just say the fans, what many of the fans there want, get what they want, which is a, a huge pound of flesh. Fire Bill, Billy Napier after two years. He's three games under 500, but it's still just two years. That would mean Muschamp, McElwain, Mullen, Napier. I think that would be four coaches in like nine years that you've gone through. None you just lasted four, none lasted four years. None you, yeah, four. none lasted four years. You just can't, you can't get anywhere doing that. So to your point, yeah, it's things are messy over there uh, right now. There's no question about it. You know, to, to go back to the 
your your point on Gamecock football, what it was in the 90s and what it turned into in the 2000s. I mean, I had uh, I was on with uh, Hefter this morning, and he was talking about, well, this team would be lucky to win six games next year. And I, I disagreed with that. And he's like, well, the schedule is going to be harder. I, look, the schedule is going to be hard. And another guy was critical of, of me saying eight wins a year ago was a, was a damn good year. You had two top ten wins. You beat your in-state rival. Uh, and to that I say, if you're going to be unhappy with an eight-win season in Columbia with the new SEC that is here and about to be, plus Oklahoma, Texas, you're going to be living, like a lot of fan bases, a miserable existence. If you poo-poo an eight-win season, because <laughs> there ain't going to be many of them. There ain't going to be many of them. When when you look at a 10-win a Mizzou and a 10-win Ole Miss, you know what that also means? Those are two great stories, by the way. That means you had a lot of other teams in the league that were disappointing this year, and a lot of them were, quite frankly. Uh, it's a league that went four and six against uh, the ACC. You know, it, this was not a good year for a lot of SEC Ooh. programs. Yeah, that, that's that's a stat that'll best you know. out of. Tell them about the best out of conference win by any league team, Mike. Now, now, the Missouri, biggest, Kansas State may have been good too, but 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 yeah. let's just but, but rankings wise. I, I, I would tell you the biggest wins, that one, Ole Miss over Tulane, Mississippi State over Arizona, and Kentucky over Louisville. And by far and away, if you want to go in on rankings, it's Kentucky at Louisville is the biggest yes. non-con SEC win this year. This yeah. was not a great year for the SEC overall, and a lot of programs uh, are feeling the angst. There's a lot of programs right now that are sitting on shows like this uh, I don't know if they have a chat row, but they're if they did, they'd be getting it all out, out of their system because Arkansas fans are unhappy, Florida fans are unhappy, Texas A&M fans are unhappy, Mississippi State fans are unhappy, Vanderbilt fans are unhappy. I'm not even sure if Tennessee fans are overly thrilled with the season that they had, uh, but you know they're certainly doing much better than the other teams that I that I just mentioned. Kentucky fans, even with the win against Louisville, are not happy. LSU fans are not happy. Do you get the idea? Mm-hmm. There are Nobody's a lot happy. of teams this year Everybody's miserable. that had a disappointing <laughs> yeah. season. I'm rolling. I'm not saying that to make anybody feel better. I'm just giving you the facts. I'm rolling another example of Misery Loves Company because I'm sitting here watching, and my, our good friend, friend of the show, Trey Biddy, covers the Arkansas Razorbacks. I want you to imagine that you're an Arkansas fan. <laughs> so our boy B.D. Belima did not work out there. He got fired, had some winning seasons, had some, but then at the end, eh, well, we have four and seven, let's can him. So they go and hire Chad Morris. Absolute disaster. You people think Will Muschamp was a disaster? Chad Morris was a disaster. Terrible. So they're looking at the abyss. <laughs> Pit boss comes in during the pandemic and inspires them to win three games in an all-SEC schedule, which gives them hope. The next year, Pitboss beats Texas, Texas A&M, LSU, and Missouri, all their rivals. Finishes 9-4, and four, beats Penn State in the, out, the very last Outback Bowl. I still wish it was called that. Should be. Last year, they start off on fire. <laughs> beat Cincinnati, beat Carolina, but they overscheduled their team, just like they shouldn't have scheduled BYU this year. End up 6-6, six and 7-6 six, and six after winning the Liberty Bowl, right? So, uh so there we go. And KJ was hurt. So he makes some changes and hires Enos. And 
they start losing and losing and lose close. They lose big. They lose seven to three. They lose thirty eight thirty one. They get up off the mat and beat Florida, which is hilarious. Um, and then it all culminated with he's getting fired, and then going, oh well, wait a minute, he's not getting fired. And then it was one of the worst. It was it was one. It was a Chad Morris type showing against Missouri. I watched most of that game, guys. Y- y- y'all think Carolina stumbled and fumbled around against Clemson? Th- these Arkansas kids didn't even care. There's about four fights that they started. They almost descended into a brawl four or five times. They fumbled kickoffs. KJ got hurt. The backup got no blocking. They did nothing. It looked like a program in complete disarray. And I'm sitting here getting emails from Trey Biddy today. So-and-so's entered the transfer portal. So-and-so's entered the transfer portal. So And these are like starters. And now Arkansas annually loses end gains from the portal. But these are like ball players that they need. I wouldn't trade. Yeah, I wouldn't trade with Florida. Wouldn't trade with Arkansas right now. And I, I know we got to go to break, but I'll just say this: yeah, Hunter Urechek has the rep as being as good a, of an AD as there is in this league. And I think a lot of people are scratching their head, going, "What? Why? Why? We, did you do you just not have a good candidate? Do, do, do is this? Do you just not like a guy in the in the coaching pool out there?" Or do you really think Sam Pittman in 2024 is going to turn this thing around? Um, That that was a a little bit of a head-scratcher. There's not many things that surprise me about the coaching, hiring, and firing and everything so far. As you know, J.C., because knowing some sources down there, I I thought that was coming for about a month. I know. I I believed you. Yeah. I mean, I I just just, it seemed like all the tea leaves were there. And I can tell you this, the – People that are around Arkansas are very surprised. Now, that's not me being critical. Maybe he turns out to have a heck of a 2024. We all like Sam Sixpack, right? I mean, and he's. Yeah, I, I love him. I love the well, guy. He's like the uncle we all wish we had. The, yeah, for the. Right, yeah. for the Somebody you go have a beer with. Yeah, I mean, that's. I want, I want to have a beer with him. If, even if he does get fired next year, um, you know, first round's on me, Sam, but I, I don't I don't know. Anyway, I know we got to take a break. So, JC, I'll let you toss to it. Absolutely. Well, we're going to uh, take a break and we'll be back. Guys, Jimmy Smith, Rocket Sam, I'm not talking about it. Uh, there's been some speculation out there. I'll say this. Um, Ontario Hardesty was in the building, the football building, working yesterday all day long. Um, and, and look, this rumor was out there last year. It got spread by a bunch of people who shouldn't have spread it because it wasn't going to happen. I can't, I can't, out, I can't rule out anything with regards to the staff and the portal and players and all that. I'm not ruling anything out, but I'm not confirming anything right now. I just uh, – uh, it, it, it dri- this particular subject, too, drives me nuts because it's like it shouldn't have been out there last year. It shouldn't have been – whoever – and I know kind of how it came out, and it, it, it kind of, for lack of a better term, pisses me off to sound like Nick Saban that that happened. But uh, I'm just not going to – I'm not going to comment on that until there's something a little bit more firm to do, but I'm not ruling anything out. I know it's time for a break. Mike, boy, Mike had to get up and go to the bathroom. (laughs) All right. Sorry, guys. Uh, I'm on a roll today. Uh, I will talk with you guys uh, here in a minute after our break here on Inside the Game Coxie Show. The State Farm Personal Price Plan helps you create an affordable price just for you. Contact local agent Gary Patterson for your personal price plan today.
This holiday season, you can give a gift like never before. Hey guys, it's JB. Rescues and Resin produces custom-designed wood and resin products. From tables to wall art, coasters to cutting boards, and pretty much anything you can dream. Proud Gamecocks and veteran-owned, Dustin and Tabitha are creating products that will blow your family and friends away when they take the wrapping paper off this Christmas. Check them out in the Chief Sports app now to get your custom order in before it's too late. Rescues and Resin are also proud supporters of Carolina Rise and proud partners of the Chief Sports Network. Rescuesandresin at gmail.com or in the Chief Sports app is where you can find them. Change your gift-giving game today by ordering a custom design through our friends Tabitha and Dustin in Rescues and Resin. company is Billy G's Carolina Barbecue. We are based in Columbia, South Carolina, and we have two lines of sauces and a spice rub. I mean, when people try our product, they know it's a gourmet product, and it can go on any type of food. It's not surprisingly delicious. It's expectedly delicious. The State Farm Personal Price Plan helps you create an affordable price just for you. Contact local agent Gary Patterson for your personal price plan today. Down here in the South, we don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams or what sauce of any goes best on a rack of ribs or what to mix with our Dixie Vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a Southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in Southern soil, are crafted by Southern hands, and proudly represent the South in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the South. Electric Bikes of Charleston offers the most fun you'll ever have on two wheels. Magnum, Velotric, Aventon Bikes, and more. And they sell to consumers all across the state and offer outstanding warranties and service after the sale. Five levels of pedal assist plus a throttle help you handle the southern heat better but still get great exercise. Bikes are available all ages and sizes. ElectricBikesCharleston.com or stop into their store in Mount Pleasant. Electric Bikes of Charleston, powering inside the Gamecocks, the show. Golfers and wannabe golfers, former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor is now a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina. In-person golf lessons are held at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course nine or 18 holes. And if you're outside of South Carolina, Meredith conducts virtual lessons. Just send in your golf swing for analysis. Gift cards are available for in-person one-hour lessons. Connect on Twitter at Mayor Taylor and find her online at McKellarEnterprises.org. Her email is on the website. Schedule your next lesson today with Meredith Taylor, former Gamecock golfer. Not today, sweetie. One heart's breaking, another 
It's all in the ebb and flow. If I had to, I could go it alone. But because you've become my home. These windows could shut into the ground. These walls could fall right down. Because you've become my home. You don't have to tell Mama. Back to Inside the Gamecocks, the show, everybody. Still in Power Hour with Mike Morgan here. We are powered by Electric Bikes of Charleston, which, of course, is uh, attached to Charleston Fitness Equipment. My wife has discovered now online, after searching through our sponsor, uh, this Hydro Rower that JB has, and is now obsessed with one. I think we're going to end up having to get one for Christmas. But, hey, listen, that's good. This fitness will get you long life and a few more years and then once we have these years on us mike who should we call when we achieve those golden years oh glad you well glad you asked phil a smooth segue uh, that is the one and only brian spencer you see his mug on the upper left hand corner of your screen quite frankly he's not that good looking of a guy that's a re- that's photoshopped right brian be honest that's that's you after a lot of makeup uh, maybe. Well, you wouldn't some... believe the hours I put in Photoshop to make exactly. it exactly. I mean, the, the lighting. Really yeah. What is that? Is that Lake best. Murray behind them? I mean, you know, anybody's going to look good when you're just pictured in front of Lake Murray for crying out loud. Uh, in all seriousness, though, despite all that, despite his tricky photography to make you think he's a GQ model, the fact of the matter is, he is the model of perfection when it comes to all your Medicare needs. I think we're uh, we're winding down that enrollment period uh, like so many other things that are out of our control financially these days um, yes a a lot of the things that you don't volunteer to change with your medicare plan just change and you need somebody to help you through the process he'll do that for free discuss the best plan for you cover as much as much of the uh, medicare costs as possible with one simple call he's already helped a number of our listeners out and uh, you could be the next one it's a phone call for you or a loved one. Help them out, for crying out loud. I'm sure you love them if they're around 65 years old. They've probably been good to you over the years. Be good to them. Call Brian Spencer, 803-960-9484, palmetto-medicare.com. I'll just say one other thing, because we don't have the Fab Five winner today. Hopefully we'll have that uh, tomorrow, maybe Thursday. Jamie is uh, is ill today, as I'm sure you guys have mentioned. We wish Jamie... Uh, best in his recovery but he's kind of in charge of getting me the sheets on that but from the uh, previous winter i thought this was uh really cool uh, from terrence who's a big listener of the show terrence hill terrence loved his fiesta pack uh, he was uh, a very happy happy man 
and uh, went out of his way to write a complimentary email to uh, to us and to Suki of Salsaritas in Columbia and Lexington, how much he enjoyed it, uh, how classy the service was, and how they took care of him. Again, it's not just for tailgating. It's for uh, anything, no matter what event you have. You can get a Fiesta pack. You can get your whole party taken care of. Suki always takes good care of his customers, the Salsaritas in Columbia and Lexington. JC, you got a bone to pick with somebody. Who is it? Nah, I think I was done with that. Oh, okay. All I, right. I just want to uh, – uh, you have to understand the whole room. The Jimmy Smith Rocket Sanders rumor has been the bane of my existence for the last two years. Rocket and Sanders of Arkansas, Rocket Sanders? Yeah. yeah. And, and look, I'm a, I, I, again, I'm going to be clear on this. I'm not ruling anything out. I'm just saying, can we please stop talking about it? <laughs> because, you know, you know it, let's say hypothetically <laughs> Jimmy Smith was – uh, the running back, next running backs coach at Carolina. If a change is made, I think he's probably the, the most logical, best choice. He's from South Carolina. He coached Bryson Allen Williams in high school. He has high school ties to Atlanta. He's a great recruiter. Um, he's no, he knows Dowell Loggins. He knows Taylor Edwards. He knows Justin Stepp. I mean, all those guys came from Arkansas. Um, I don't have a problem with that. I, I think it'd be a great hire. That doesn't necessarily mean Rocket Sanders is coming. <laughs> Uh, Rocket is going to have to fly over about seven programs that will probably pay him handsomely to come tote the rock for them if he does decide to make a move. He could also go to the NFL. So, so nothing, you know, like I said, I'm not ruling anything out. I just, you know, this got started last year, and then guess what happened? Nothing. Hardesty got an extension. Uh, and, and I really wish the folks that want to push this rumor, and, and they know who they are, would just kind of chill on it uh, because there's a big difference between what you want to happen with this program and what will actually happen in many instances. So I just, I just want to let you guys know because of that and no Clint, it's not just because Jimmy's from South Carolina. He's a, was a high school coach in Atlanta for years. He's a proven recruiter. Uh, you, you know, he's, he's what you need, you know, that kind of guy. Uh, so, um, you know, Des Kitchings probably is not going to return. Did, did Tony Elliott fire him or demote him? I wouldn't think he would come back just, just for knowing Des, but Des was really good too. Uh, yes, Clint Carolina finished second for rocket out of high school. He's from Rockledge, Florida. NIL again, the, the Seminoles and Gators <laughs> are pretty solid with that. But I mean, you know, you never know. He really liked Carolina. Carolina wanted him as a receiver. Bobby Bentley recruited him. Uh, oh, imagine that. The previous well, staff recruiting a running back, uh, the guy that was super better suited for running back playing wide receiver. How crazy. Oh, that's not so crazy, is it? But uh, anyway, <clears throat> it's, um, you know, I, I'm not saying anything uh, other than um, that, uh, that. That's just kind of a pet peeve of mine. And I'm sorry for re- overreacting. I just, I, I get questions about it every single day. My friends text me. I'm to the point where I'm not answering my, I mean, uh, not answering their text about it anymore. I'm just done with with that whole thing until something of substance happens. And the only thing I can report to you that's factual right now, as we sit here, is that Montario Hardesty was in the long football operations building working all day yesterday. And that's all I know. I'm not saying it'll be forever, next week, tomorrow, next year, New Year's. I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying yesterday, Montario was in the building working. And so there you go. So there we go. Um, so that's that. 
Which is good because uh, as long as he's on staff and being paid by the University of South Carolina, his ass needs to be working. <laughs> yeah, and look, man, I think they need to recruit. I mean, I, they're, the criticism of that particular position, yeah, uh, it's totally valid. Notice I've ever never disagreed with any of you guys on that. I mean, there was no reason to be in this situation they were in this year. And if you look at who's actually doing the actual recruiting of the few players they did have, it wasn't the current running backs coach, but Braswell, that was it. And Fuller, you know, yeah, okay, he, you get credit for who you get credit for, but do you think if Jabo Shaw wasn't the head coach down there that Carolina wouldn't have had a nice end? I mean, that's, that's Connor's brother, you know? I mean, I don't know. So, uh, um, you know, and this is a question, and Mike, I'm going to throw this one to you from Quantrell. JC, Am I qualified to answer this or just you? Quantrell to just to he just geared totally. it toward you. No, okay. no, no, no. I'm, I'll I'm, give I'm I'll give my short sighted opinion. Yeah, I. Th- th- but this is good. No, this is a, this is something that you you'll he's at, you're actually more qualified than me to to answer. Well, well I think we're both qualified. But go you ahead. You know more about like the out the 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 macro view of this. With the new SEC, would it be in Carolina's better interest to schedule tomato cans in the non conference? <laughs> I'm all for good games, but I'm also looking at it logically. He's a tomato. I, look, I, I'm still of the opinion from people that I talk to, and I know why it hasn't happened yet, and it's not the reason that a lot of people think it is, going from eight to nine games as a SEC conference schedule. I think that is going to happen sooner rather than later. Remember, this whole thing with the one permanent, which is Kentucky, and that's a one-year deal. It's not like this is a 10-year plan. They couldn't get the agreement that they wanted to for a nine-game conference slate, okay? And there were a number of people disappointed when that didn't happen. So they're like, all right, fine. For one year, let's just hold us over, make it make it this format, eight games, one permanent, and, and then we'll revisit it. So I still think eventually it's going to be nine. Why is that relevant? Because when it's nine, then yes, Quantrell, nine plus Clemson, give me two tomato cans, Okay. Give me two tomato cans, absolutely. I don't think anybody has to apologize when you play nine SEC games and Clemson. You you go ahead and you start looking. What's a what's a good? Actually, what's a bad team from the MAC? Uh, give me give me Eastern Michigan. Uh, who's the worst team in the Sun Belt? Don't schedule Jacksonville State again. Don't no, we learn that lesson? Uh, go ahead and give me somebody who's kind of reeling a little bit. Give me FIU for crying out loud. Um, With the eight-game format, that's a tough one to me because I don't know if the the people that buy pay their good hard-earned money on tickets want to go to Williams-Brice and see that many tomato cans every year. You know, I I think the way they've been doing it has actually been pretty good. You got Clemson, you, you get your two tomato cans, and then you get one, not juggernaut, but kind of a challenging game like a North Carolina. You could throw an NC State in that. You could throw a number of different teams in that cat that tier two category. Uh, but when it goes to nine, and it will, man, <laughs> I am looking for two tomato cans yeah. every year. Here's what the Gamecocks have scheduled. It's uh, and there's one of these in the future. Like let's say they go to nine in 2025. I don't think there's any way in heck they're not going to play in the. Chick-fil-A kickoff against Virginia Tech. Number one, that that sucker pays out about $4.8 million a team. 
Number two, they've never played in that game. Uh, and I think that's much more of a showcase than maybe the Charlotte openers, which are pretty common, or, you know, the ones down in Orlando or whatever. Um, so I, I think that's staying. Now, after that, now 20, 2024 is three tomato cans. It's Old Dominion, the Mighty Akron Zips, and the Wofford Terriers, who I think that job may come Oof. open. Um, so that's good. That's, that's good. Wal- that's, yeah, no, Wal- I get Hey, Walford's, get it where I you can. Wal- I don't think – maybe – correct me if I'm wrong, guys. I don't think Walford's triple option anymore either, so that's even better. Um, so, yeah, you got the three tomato cans next year when Alabama and LSU roll on the schedule uh, and Oklahoma. But uh, that following year, I don't think there's any way that they're going to try to get out of that kickoff classic just because it's – now the other And I two wouldn't. Not, yeah, no, no. The, the other two non-conferences that year, Appalachian State and, and Coastal Carolina – I definitely yeah. try to get out of one of those. Because <laughs> I'm sorry, but, <laughs> you just get out of one of those, you know. Yeah, but yeah, I, the the kickoff classic one. Are we still calling it that? I mean, it, I don't know if it's that's the Chick Fil A really, whatever kickoff, whatever yes, Chick Fil A yeah. kickoff game. Which which that thing is dying on a vine, and, and I, I I've interviewed some of those people here in Atlanta. They they're they're sharp, they're good, but they know like that that they're they're struggling to get teams to play in it anymore. Yeah, they, yeah. It, it, it just it's it's kind of run its course, but it's great publicity. Like it's it's great exposure, yeah. And I think Carolina still is a program that could use some good exposure. You only get that by playing relevant games, and if you do it in week one or week zero or whatever, yeah. that's a good way to steal some pub. I think that game it's it's either it's either the Sunday. I think I think it's the Sunday before. It's the Sunday game on Labor Day weekend. So uh, it's, it's an exclusive Monday. audience, basically. Exclusive audience against Virginia Tech. I mean, the well, Beamer I'm, I'm down up, with that. Yeah, dude, they got to. They got and you to, ought to be able to beat that. Virginia Tech. I mean, uh, you ought to be yeah. able to win that game. If, if, look, if things, no if the trajectory of the program goes the way it should go, then you should win that game. And if it doesn't, then you have bigger problems. So the next year, it's Miami. <laughs> home and home. Uh, I think it's in Coral Gables, the first, or in uh, wherever they play, Opalaka, wherever. Mike, you know better than me. That's your neighborhood. <laughs> or they play it um, at Hard Rock yeah. Stadium, which is a nice 40 yeah. mile, or excuse me, 40 minute drive from campus. So the good news for that game is if you're a Gamecock fan, you have no problem gobbling up tickets. You could make that, you could make that almost a home game. I'm not kidding. Oh, yeah. You Everybody could make that tickets. a home game. Oh, yeah. That place uh, I think it's in week block two. everywhere. And then uh, the next year is North Carolina back-to-back in Chapel Hill and, and Columbia. Then they got NC State 29-30. and 30. And then I think in 33-34, they got Virginia Tech home and home in Blacksburg. They haven't scheduled anything else. I think once the expansion happened, people kind of stopped with all this. Because you look at other SEC programs, man, there's some real crazy – like uh, Mississippi State scheduled a home and home with Washington State, you know, because of the Pirate, I would guess. Uh, Ole Miss is going to Cal and Stanford and every. I mean, it's it's Missouri's going all over the place. Uh, Ole Miss is playing a road game at Charlotte. I mean, there's there's some pretty interesting future scheduling around the league. I think it's all going away once they go to nine. And and I think keeping the rivalry. If you look at what Grant Neff, the Clemson AD, said this week, guys, he mentioned that they they they, they, keep, they have to sign a contract to play the rivalry game like every school does, and then they sign two more years. And so, but there's caveats in the contracts that said we may have to move the date of this game. 
And I think going to nine and doing these one through 16 standing things with conference championship games the next week and stuff, I'm I'm concerned that's going to torpedo rivalry weekend as we know it. Because I, I don't think anybody's interested in having an Iron Bowl and then a rematch the next week. Or, or think about how great of a game Michigan-Ohio State was. What if they were playing again this weekend? Now, we're all looking forward to it as far as television goes. But yeah. where was the – I mean, what you know, which one really matters? I mean, you know, so so I, I, I in my opinion, Thanksgiving weekend, you're going to see teams off or you're going to see something like Sunbelt Saturday or, or you're going to – they're going to be very careful with that weekend to not ruin championship weekend. And I think that's why Clemson and Carolina may go back to a different date at some point. But, but, I mean, how often – I guess I'm a little confused. I get why if you're Auburn, Alabama, or Michigan, Ohio State, you're paranoid about playing back-to-back weeks. But that's not, a, that's not an issue with Carolina-Clemson. So no, why no, not no. keep I, it where it is? I, no, I would, I would just think the SEC, they would rearrange the SEC schedule to the point where they're, they need Carolina to go play a conference game that weekend or something. You know, yeah, you can not maintain that. Yeah, that that yeah. level of interest in the conference yeah, itself. Okay. Yeah, it's like because everybody's going to play a conference team. That there's, there's, everybody, yeah, it's very well, they unlikely. Kinda, yeah, you know? no, I get your point. I mean, they kind of did that already with what what everybody used to call SoCon Saturday, right? Yeah. So we still have a lot of those games, but if you notice, we also have a couple of SEC versus SEC matchups. That was that was not on accident. The 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 conference office said, look, we can't have everybody playing a cupcake yeah. the same week. So it got spread out a lot better than it used to. Uh, but Next year, Bama goes to Oklahoma the week before the Iron Bowl. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, like, you know, and again, TV rules the roost. TV wants intriguing matchups for 13 straight weeks. They don't want to load them all up in the final weekend of the season. So I get, I get what you're saying. I just – I don't know. I'd I'd like to see them keep Carolina Clemson where it is. Uh, and I, I would too. I mean, I, you know, I, I just I just don't know if it's feasible. I also think that some, if they expand too much more, that's going to be semifinal Saturday, Mike. <laughs> semifinal. Are you are you I, saying? Are you are you reporting that Clemson's going to the SEC for the twenty seventh time in the last twenty seven weeks? No, it's about time I'm for the not, same five people so, to report that. They, to they're report. inside sources. Yeah, somebody needs to report that again. Um, yeah, we're not Someone just it. told me, a really uh, good source told me, it's a done deal. Here, I'll yeah, just maybe, tweet maybe, it. Maybe, maybe Clemson Carolina go back to playing Big Big Thursday. Big Thursday was in October during the fair. Well, now, you, you, okay, you just went back to my, my thoughts last week mm-hmm. that Ole Miss, Mississippi State did a really smart thing. They, they made that game so much more relevant and with so much more exposure by moving it to Thanksgiving Day. And the one thing that the one thing about Carolina Clemson is that it gets lost in the shuffle. It just mm-hmm. does. And so if you really want to shine a brighter light on it, which would be good for both programs, uh, then I would consider moving it to an off day, a Friday, a Thursday. I don't know if the fans like that or don't like it, but I think it'd be could, pretty cool. You could open with Clemson every year. Jeez. Uh God, yeah, I don't oh, think I don't bass- know if the fans want that. Uh, yeah, that's such a because if you lose it, it's such a it's a double punch in the gut. It's a everybody. Double, yeah, 
most of these rivalries that do play early in the season, they play at least in like week two. Like Colorado, Colorado State's always kind of week two ish. Um, here's here's what I'm thinking: you expand too much more, you're gonna ha- you can't go one through twenty, and and use a Ouija board for your tiebreakers, which is exactly what's gonna happen because you can't play everybody every year. So divisions and pods or something, they're coming back, right? And so what I think is going to happen is the Big Ten actually, believe it or not, Kevin Warren had a good idea last year. Can we sound the alarms on that? That Kevin <laughs> right. Warren actually had the one he ever had. The biggest moron. I mean, he's ruining the Bears now. He's ruining he's, – he's screwing up my sport, Parkle. He's ruining my fiance's life now. The gift that keeps After on giving all single, year, Clark. He, he, this dude unilaterally tried to cancel the sport I loved at one of the worst times in our country's history. Tried to unilaterally cancel it. Now he's the Bears president, and they're all kinds of dumpster fire, But even though they won last night. Nevertheless, I digress. They did have a good idea when they decided to finally play. They were like, well, on championship Saturday, we're going to have a championship game. But then we're also uh, to give everybody else an extra game. And I think only about three of these ended up being played because of, you know, testing oh, and the stuff flex. And cancellations. The flex. Yeah. So you don't have to necessarily do it on championship Saturday, but what you can say is on semifinal Saturday, which will be Thanksgiving weekend, you're going to have the semis. And then everybody else just kind of plays, well, you know, this pod number two versus this pod number three and this pod number, you know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so it, you, they've been play, talking about doing that in basketball for years to get more SEC the, teams in the tournament. Yeah, you play for the Spurrier Trophy in the East and the, the Bryant Trophy in the West. And then they meet in Atlanta, the gridiron. Yeah, I mean, and, and everybody plays the same amount of games at the end of the day. Logistically, you still get nine in. I, it, it's fun. It's like it's like the soccer fans that talk about relegation. Like for yeah. them, that that is you know they have an orgasm when they think about bringing that to college football. It's never going to happen, folks. Like you're you're wasting twenty minutes of valuable show time when you talk about that. You don't um, think semifinals would happen, Mike? Oh, you're killing me. No, 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 no. The the, re- the relegation. Oh, the relegation idea, thing's ridiculous. Yes, yeah, <laughs> that, that's just stupid. Your idea <laughs> has has a chance to get off the ground. Um, I don't know if it's – I think logistically there could be some issues there that they might not want to deal with. Uh, but, I mean, I, I get it. Like So in, in, in two different sports, two different postseasons, but in basketball this has been talked about for a while. And the reason is, like, let's just say South Carolina is a bubble team this year. And you finish the season with your final two conference games are against last place Vanderbilt and last place Ole Miss. I have no idea if those two teams are going to be in the last place. So I'm just throwing out examples. Well, guess what? You're now going to hurt your RPI, BPI net ranking. Mm-hmm. And so even if you beat those teams by 30, so the feeling that what basketball coaches have, have uh, proposed is that let the really good teams play the really good teams, let the bubble teams play the bubble teams, and almost like what you're talking about, J.C., which is a, mm-hmm. a champ week, you know, do-or-die type of game, and that way you, you could get more teams in the field. I could yeah, see it, that happening easier in basketball than I could football. Yeah, football, if you're talking about a 12-16 team playoff, too, you know, it, it's – because then, like, okay, so can a can a team that wins a pod that's maybe a nine and three if it's a down pod, but then you give number two from the other pod a chance to get another quality win, uh, and all that good stuff, and then then the winners advance to Atlanta and obviously play for for all the marbles. You you would have you couldn't just do it though like semis 
and nobody else plays. You'd have to incorporate every team in the league to do it. Uh, it just struck me when the Big Ten did that last year. I was like, that's a pretty good idea. It's kind of fun. You, you wouldn't even have to have neutral sites. You could have campus sites for it, you know, just the team with the better record or whatever. And then you're not using a Ouija board to figure out this tiebreaker, man. Because, uh, I mean, look, uh, the Big 12 had a chance this year to prove that that, that system's going to get tricky because they're – the Mountain West did. The Mountain West did, you know. Hell, it's so. going to be Georgia and Alabama for the rest of our natural-born lives anyway. <laughs> It doesn't matter. <laughs> You're not going to need a tiebreaker. Yeah, Nick Saban's going to be out there in a wheelchair leading the Crimson Tide against a uh, 70-year-old, gray-haired, Kirby Smart, Georgia Bulldog-led squad from now until the end of time. Let's just all buckle up for it. Saban will have robot legs. That's right, yeah, hologram Saban versus Robo did, did we go that far over on the top of the hour, Phil? Did we go that far over the top? Oh, my God. I thought yes. we had taken I wasn't no, going to say I, anything. That was my yes. fault. I should have been paying better attention. But, All right. Know, well, top of the hour, man. sort of. We'll be back after these <laughs> messages. Maybe talk a little basketball inside the Game Crash Show. Chicken cock originated in Kentucky, like so many other bourbons. And so the resurrection of it, you know, Paris, Kentucky, that's the county seat of Bourbon County. So much of this whiskey was being made in that Bourbon County, put on ships and barges and shipped down Ohio, down the Mississippi, and got to New Orleans where it got distributed all over the world. And people kept saying, well, hey, I want some more of that whiskey from Bourbon County. And so that's how Bourbon Whiskey uh, got its name. And Chicken Cock originated actually in Paris, Kentucky, which is today Bourbon County. If you're in the upstate of South Carolina and are in need of residential real estate services, Cindy Bass Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane is for you. Ask her about the village at Creekside, all of her listings in my hometown of Spartanburg, South Carolina, right there on Daniel Morgan Avenue, married to a lifelong Gamecock fan. And many of our listeners have already bought homes from her and been 100% satisfied with the detail and care she uses. Cindy Searfoss, 864 864- 414-5271, Caldwell Banker Kane in the upstate for your real estate needs. Building your dream home is often just that, a dream and sometimes a nightmare. But at the Barndo Company, they commit to quality and build without sacrifice. Customization, open floor plans, limitless flooring options, maintenance-free and easy insulation perks, and affordability are just a few reasons why they've been named one of the best builders in the U.S. Believe in your dreams. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barndo Company. Gamecock owned. Gamecock operated. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location, or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama. Columbia and go game packs. With a little love, 
What a beautiful state we live in. I love it. That's pretty much what I'm uh, I just got a text uh, update on my car. Some of y'all might know. I actually got into two car accidents. Not my fault. Neither of them. Same. And, and incidentally, I was hit in the exact same place twice by people on their phones. Are you so kidding put your me? phones down. Hey, no, I'm I'm not. I I am not. This is not even just, you know, setting you up for uh for a live read here. This is actually real. And You're like what the I'm guy in the uh, in the great outdoors <laughs> that got hit by lightning 67 times and he's yeah, got like right. the skunk look with the white where he got hit and he he sixty-six times and then and then and then in the head. Yes, yes. It's a movie, folks. I'm having two experiences with two different insurance companies, and the one that I'm most satisfied with, who has actually done everything they said they were going to do as quickly as they said they were going to do, is State Farm. Well, that's awesome, uh, and it does uh, lend itself to uh, what I'm about to say. Uh, you know, JC's got a great State Farm guy. I've had a great State Farm guy uh, for over 20 years, Gary Patterson, who, by the way, is also a one of the higher-rated uh, referees in the ACC. He worked the Virginia-Virginia Tech game uh, on Saturday. I'm sure he'll have some bowl games. So you'll see Gary out there. You'll, you'll notice when they uh, identify the referee. But when he's not doing that for the better part of three decades, he's been helping people in the Midlands from Columbia to Lugolf, Lexington, Camden, Blythewood with all your insurance needs. Uh, make the right decision, as Phil can attest. If, and I've had problems – I don't have enough time to tell you the type of insurance problems I've had. People trying to rip you off, not pay out. It, it, there, there are some real crooks in that field. Uh, you don't normally get that with State Farm people. You certainly don't get that with Gary Patterson. Go to GaryPatterson.net. Uh, tell him you heard about it here on the ITG show. He will take a fantastic care of you. I, I speak from experience. That's a great thing about our sponsors, too, is that uh, they're all people that we believe in, that we have – uh, been able to uh, to use in, in some way, shape, or form, or their products, their services, and they've all been great. So it's a true testimonial as opposed to just uh, reading copy like I'm sometimes forced to do in my other jobs. But that's a whole other story. Yeah, RLA, he didn't do the Carolina game. He, he he doesn't do Carolina games, right? Yeah, I don't think he can, right? You can't, yeah. Can't so Right, because of his ties uh, to the state. Uh, they they typically don't allow. They don't. They know how paranoid college football fans are, and basketball, uh, and baseball. And so when they're handing out those assignments, if you have any ties to either school, uh, typically they don't want you. They don't want you working right in your backyard. So you'll never in see the, Gary Patterson ACC. on a, 
Let's clarify that in the ACC. In our league, it doesn't matter. Well, no, that's no, that's not entirely true. I, <laughs> I, I mean, Mike. Uh, I'll tell you what. I don't know, brother. You, what. <laughs> well, who, I, you want me to ask you who you're speaking of specifically? You got nah, I just remember Spurrier talking about it a while back. It was. Oh, it was, okay. Uh, well, I'll tell you an interesting story. Spurrier. Kind of in line of what you're talking about was if you remember the infamous Rod Gardner, and I was there on a cold night in the upstate for Carolina Clemson, the Rod Gardner push-off game. So was I. I was there, too. Do you remember the name of the, the field judge? I, I believe God, it yeah, was Mike was, Washington. It was Mike Washington. That was because his name his name got out all over. I mean, it was bad. Lou Holtz made sure Mike Washington never worked a Gamecock game again when he was there. Never. That I was used to check it every game. Call. Because, well, it, was, it, it would have been so bad if earlier in the game they called back a touchdown on South Carolina for – Offensive shoving, pass interference. Yeah, no, it was a it was a miss call. Uh, I mean, it just <laughs> I know Clemson fans will say otherwise, but it was it was a miss call. But usually, when you miss a call, you know officials do miss calls. You're back on a Gamecock game next year. I don't think I ever saw Mike Washington on a Gamecock game for the yeah. remaining four years. Lou Holtz was the head coach at South Carolina. <laughs> If you didn't have Mike Watts, you didn't call a field game of ours again. I'm going to walk out of the 50-yard line and punch him in the snout. <laughs> oh, by the way, did you guys hear Lou uh, after the Ohio State loss this weekend? Just couldn't Here, help himself. Oh, yeah. Oh, he was basking in it. Pound uh, in his chest. After all, because I thought Ryan Day was a little over the top coming after him like that. Oh, he yeah. was. And then so Lou's like, well, I'll tell you this, it's bad to lose to Michigan three times in a row. And yeah, he stops and he grins and he goes, what a long ride home that must have been. <laughs> 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 I mean, like my fiance is a Notre Dame person. And, but, she, you know, if Lou says something dumb, she's gonna she's not going to agree with everything. But she was like, how are you going to pick on an old man? Like, I mean, Lou's, what, 90? I he's mean, he's there, at man. least, uh, you, but know, you know, five what? He's... years. Still pretty he's sharp. Five years of, of Joe Biden, at least. I mean, I know he's just a couple years younger than our president. So, uh, I probably shouldn't have said that. But anyway, uh, it, you know, he's getting up there. Is a point. And so, and he says whatever. And you know, he loves Notre Dame. And he didn't say anything that the rest of us weren't thinking about Ohio State, right? Yeah. Um, by the way, uh, to, to SC George eighty two, baseball umpires are definitely local guys. Not always, more times not. Uh, yeah, you're right. And baseball certainly uh, umpires don't have the same budget too on a on the travel. But I will tell you this, knowing uh, quite a few of the umpires. Uh, for example, I know an umpire that's from Kentucky and had uh, a daughter that was going to UK. When his daughter was at UK, he was not allowed to work a Kentucky game. Yeah. So they, I mean, they look into your entire background. And if they feel that there's any family association, it's not just you, family association. You have a son or a daughter that goes to a particular school, you're not working the games in that school. It's almost like you've got to wait four years for your kid to graduate before you can do a game locally again. But for the most part, I mean, they really they do. Uh, the, the whole notion, uh, referees and umpires in a lot of ways are like announcers. Uh, they don't care who wins, but some are better than others. So when you're seeing incompetence, it's more incompetence than it is bias. It's just bad refereeing, and in some cases, bad announcing. Um, but <laughs> no it's kidding. not it's not because there's an ulterior motive or anything. I'm not saying that never has happened in refereeing. If you watch the documentary on Tim Donahue, wow, that and guy. the NBA had some serious 
crap going on. Yeah, and, that, and, and that's one of the things about college basketball refereeing, which these days I don't I don't ever see bias. Um, it's the last time I I kind of thought maybe there was some when West Virginia went to the Final Four that year, and my God, they called every foul on Bobby Huggins' team, and the Duke Duke guy just murdered the West Virginia guy, and he goes out and he's like, they don't foul, do they? Blah, blah, blah. I kind of thought I was like, yeah, you know, you're kind of you kind of preconceived notion there. But basketball, they they rotate everybody. I mean, so there's not really conference refs or whatever. My problem with college basketball is. Dudes, swallow the whistle. I know you're on TV. It's not. A, I know you, you you don't work out like the football guys. Okay, you're not over there pumping iron at halftime like those guys. They're remember that was my them. that was my big problem, JC on yeah. JC and Morgan. I remember like, that. Yeah. Can, can we get the college football officials off the juice? It, it, it I don't started. need my official looking like he's he's training for Mister Olympia. Just be a scrawny guy who's really accurate, not not a meathead who can't call the game right. It all started yeah, with Ed Hockley, man. You got to blame Ed, 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 Ed Hockley. set the standard, man. Yeah, Personal foul. Fifteen yard uh, penalty. Let me uh, show you my traps. traps. First down. Yeah, Bro, never Gaines. been a big fan of that. <laughs> yard. Teddy Valentine. Yeah, te- TV Teddy hey. Valentine is exactly what you're talking about, JC. Um, and I look, I've called games with Teddy. He's not a bad man. He loves uh, himself. He, he, he loves him some me. I will say this, though, again, and I've done some officiating and, and umping, uh, not at that level, but uh, enough to know that these guys, most of them, for every Teddy Valentine, uh, most of them, the last thing they want is to have to blow the whistle and to continually call fouls and penalties. You want to know why? Because that makes their day longer. And everybody that's that's doing that job typically wants to get the hell out of Dodge as quickly as possible. So if you could have a basketball game where two teams don't foul, I'm getting home. The game's going an hour and 52 as opposed to two and a half. That's a good good thing. SEC has had that problem in the past, and maybe it's just because the teams foul. Who knows? Uh, but that, well, that tournament Carolina was in uh, out in Arizona, I noticed that, and even the announcers said – uh, look, and it was it was Matt McCall, and uh, he was the color guy, and then some other guy. They even Matt they McCall. said, "Hey, these guys really like to blow blow their whistle," and, you know, and it, and it gummed up the play. I thought... mm. All right, I, you you muted yourself there, JC. Yeah, I had to cough. Mm, got oh, something okay. In my throat. Mm. Well, I'll uh, I'll I'll help you out here if I can. Um, the the beauty of Frank Martin. Uh, and I love Frank, but Frank would always complain about the difference in officiate how many times the opponent went to the free throw line versus his teams. Well, if you're if you're continually fouling, which Frank's teams did, uh, at one point I remember Dane Bradshaw and I did a game. It was like middle of the season. The Gamecocks were leading the nation in fouls. That's not all bad officiating. That's when you play a certain way, you're going to get called for more foul. You can't continually hack the other team and then complain about. Well, the other team's going to the free throw yeah. line more than you. Conversely, conversely, Dave Odom sometimes would complain, well, we're not getting to the free throw line enough. Well, you, you, ha- you, you had a bunch of guys that played soft that wouldn't take it to the hole. So if you just settle for jump shots, you're not going to get a lot of free throws. It, 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 it works two ways. Stop fouling if you want to avoid defensive fouls. And if you want to earn more trips to the free throw line, you've got to be more aggressive. So just a, a thing there. Um 
but yeah, for the most part, those guys, they, they don't want to do it. I mean, they want to get out of there. I did an Auburn-Tennessee basketball game last year, and this is a shame because it was on ESPN. Uh, it was a, We had 1.3 million viewers. For those that don't know, that is a huge number for a regular season college basketball game. And the final score was 38-36, and every possession was a foul. And as much as I'd like to be mad at the officials, it was that both teams were fouling the hell out of one another. Rick Barnes's teams are uber aggressive and they foul a lot. But it's not I kept thinking like we got this great stage, football was over, we got a ton of people watching. I didn't know it was one point three million, but it was a ton of people watching. And this is not great basketball. Because people don't want to see a thirty eight thirty six basketball game. They want to see a seventy eight seventy six basketball game. And hopefully that's what what we'll uh be treated to more than not. By the way, quick one from Quantrell Mike, you might not be able to answer, but which sport do you like calling more in terms of a close game, football or basketball? Man, that's a great question. That's a that's a that's a tough question, honestly. Uh, in basketball, in a close game, you're going to have more lead changes, which I think is awfully exciting. But man, if it's a football game where possession, 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 uh, that can be great too. I mean, I I. I think both can be absolutely uh, awesome if you have it. I had a bowl game a couple of years ago. It was Coastal Carolina, and um, I'm going to forget this now. A team from the MAC. Team from the uh, MAC. Any? It was. It was. It was Toledo? in Orlando. What's that? Oh, it was in the, uh, the down there in the Cure Bowl or whatever. Was yeah, it? the Cure, Cure Bowl is Coastal what it was. and Kent State. No, no, I can't. I, I remember who it was. I, you know, anyway, was it Northern, Northern was Illinois. Like, it was Northern Illinois. Northern Illinois. Thank Northern you. Illinois. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, it's you know it's bad when JC remembers the games I'm doing more than I remember the games I'm doing. But it was like 47-45, and it was back and forth and back and forth. It was awesome. One of the most fun uh, times I've ever had behind the mic calling a, a a football game. But I mean, basketball games I've had quadruple overtime games. I've had buzzer beaters. I've had so they're they're both outstanding. If you can get that, man, it's 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 what everybody wants. And and sometimes you just don't get it. <laughs> it all depends on on what teams you got and how they play. Now there's not a lot of ten, a lot of things more like tension wise than the moment between pitches in a close baseball game. I yeah, mean, postseason especially. Postseason yeah. especially in, in, in college and pro. Yeah, because uh, a walk off, so you're like you, you just you hear that silence, and it's like the anticipation is just killing you. Yeah, <sighs> uh, not, I mean it's baseball can be for a lot of people the most dry three hours leading up to the most exciting moment that they'll get in any sport. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whereas football and basketball can keep you riveted for the entire time. I mean, I just had a walk-off field goal with the Ravens-Browns game a couple weeks ago. That was fantastic. Uh, <laughs> Cleveland came back with Deshaun Watson, and they were down, I don't know, 17 at one point. Came back and won it. Won on a last-second field goal on the road. That was freaking awesome. It was fantastic. Yeah, I lost money on that one, Mike. I'm sorry about that. That's okay. Did you, I, I usually win the games you call. Like, yeah. I won the 49ers <laughs> the other day. That's your you won that one. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna have a boy go to San Francisco and not win the game. When and not win the game. Paying attention. So. I got to call a couple Debo plays and a, a Javon Kinlaw tackle in that game. Yeah. Uh, but the week the week before, two clowny uh, sacks. 
this week with the Falcons Saints, there no Gamecocks uh, really made a had a factor in that game. But the Falcons won. But the Falcons won. <laughs> Probably as only they can. <laughs> ugly, one of the worst, worst playoff teams worst. in the history of the playoffs. Oh, by the way, the Panthers fired another coach for the like seven Panther fans in the state of South Carolina. Yeah, Frank Reich's gone. So that's a. Yeah, they fired Jimbo my man Deuce. Doing well, Frank Reich. He's not doing so bad for sitting at home either. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I know. He, and the Panthers paid him. Now they all get paid. I mean, to, the Tepper Tepper's got a lot of money. Uh, and fired my man Deuce Staley. That's bad karma uh, for a team that's already got a lot of bad karma. About to go one and whatever, and not have the number one pick because they gave it yeah. to the Bears. Bears, Yikes. yeah. I mean, hey, Bears fans, uh, you know, they're like, okay, well, you can win six or seven this year, and and you know, you still have the number one pick. That's pretty cool. It's not as cool as maybe going, you know, two and fifteen and having the top two picks. But <laughs> who really trusts Kevin Warren to do anything good with that pick anyway? And, and the guy he's got running the show, I don't. Who I'm, who trusts the Panthers to do anything? They're a dumpster fire. I mean, it's uh, I mean, it's like, what's behind door number one? Bryce Young, wrong. Right. <laughs> I mean, and, and you look at uh, what the he just looks overmatched. Doing. I mean, it's he looks so. I, I love Bryce Young. Voted, uh, you know, he was. I voted for him the Heisman when he won it. Uh, big fan of him last year as a college player. Uh. But man, he looks overmatched. He really does. It's it's not that he's it's it's not his height. It's that he's just so frail. Uh and and he yeah. That one that's gonna be tough. It's only one not year. Every, maybe maybe he bounces back next year. Not everyone is Kyler Murray, man. Kyler Murray looks like a, a kid. But for some reason he can take a hit, he can run, he can throw, he's he's a good player. He's thick. I mean, Kyler's like he's yeah. built. So, well, and what makes it worse crazy. is you know C.J. Stroud actually performing well. Well, <laughs> what, it, what it came down for me, like, and we talked about this on J.C. and Morgan a lot last year, and, and it really on our show too. In the draft was, I started thinking about, it, I went back and forth, you know, leaning towards Bryce. I, I was not a Richardson guy, and obviously, I think Mike and I both thought that was kind of a stretch to take him. Uh not to say he won't be good in a couple of years, but yeah. that was a stretch. That was but, a stretch. Uh, but between McCord and – or not McCord. Uh, uh, what was his name? Uh, for not McCord's the current Ohio State quarterback. Who was it last year? Phil? Stroud. Uh, yeah, Stroud. For, the, Stroud. for the Titans. Uh, I mean, for the I Texans, C.J. Stroud. Yeah, yeah. Well, for me, it was yeah, – because I was, I was leaning towards Bryce, too. And, but then I started thinking, and I was like, wait a minute. Stroud lit Georgia up. <laughs> that was the game. I was like, nobody yeah, you else is really – him against an NFL defense. <laughs> yeah, he's good basically – that's that's about as good of an evaluation opportunity as you can get. And I'm sitting there going, and I know he's got good receivers, and I know Ohio State's super talented, but that Georgia defense that they didn't – that was the most abnormal game they had, and, it, and he, he did a great job dissecting it. So I kind of thought, well – and I wasn't fired up about any of the quarterbacks last year, to be honest. Uh, at the end of the day, though, I would have given him him the the, the you know the pick, uh, and it looks so far like I would be accurate. Now you never know; it's just uh, year one. And Will Anthony Levis Richardson is playing well. MVP here soon, you know. Uh, yeah. I kind of doubt it, but we'll we'll see. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> I, I don't. Uh, but these are the same people that told you Joe Milton was the 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 best quarterback in college football at the beginning of this season. And Joe Milton at times can't have the broad side of a barn. Do, do you know who said that though? I think Jordan Rogers. Chris Dor- oh, it was Jordan Rogers that said that. Jordan Rogers said it. It's like a guy that normally a former full- quarterback. Right. What the, you would think would know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was just like goo goo gaga over Joe Milton based on his Again, Joe Milton will probably pull an Anthony Richardson. He'll go to the combine and he'll be like, "Whoa, did you see that vertical leap?" And then it's like, "Yeah, but can he complete a pass on third down?" Well, not exactly, but look at his look at his shuttle time. Look at him on the cone drill, and he can do a backflip at that size. Oh my goodness! Yeah, but he can't complete fifteen yard out. You got to move the chains. So here's a question for you, Mike, before we get to basketball, because we need to get to basketball because the Gamecocks have a big game. Are we ever due for a break, too? I don't even yeah, know. We, do for a break, we, we have a- one a- break left, so we can do this question yeah, break. Answer and this we'll before we go to break. Ah, look at Phil. Down. Mad Dog producing now. He look at this guy. Rock. Respect his decision. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you like you that, know, well, it's portal. It's respect my decision. It's or, respect or, um, my decision season with, right now. What is it? Somebody the other day said this. It's respect my decision season or with that being said. You know, because it's like I love yeah, with my that time being here. Said. Yeah, that's right. Penn yeah. State. Penn State is the greatest school in the Ultraverse. And I love yeah. and cherish so many people here. And they're like a family to me. And I feel like I've become a man. Just It's kind of like the LeBron James thing. Yeah, that's right. It's and, it's uh, thanks, but no thanks season you, as you well. You could read yeah, it like, like, like Caliendo does in a Morgan Freeman. I feel like I've become a man here man. at Penn State. <laughs> I love everybody and cherish them forever. With that being said, I'm entering the transfer portal with three years of eligibility <laughs> remaining. So is Danny. Uh, no, Res- Danny O'Neill of Colorado is just decommitted Respect from the decision. Colorado class. Respect my decision. I see, that's the second one in as many days, isn't it? They're losing players because Dion opened his mouth and said, we're not going to be in NIL factory and just pay you to come play. And everybody's like, oh, really? No. All right, right, well, well, you see know. ya. <laughs> you you oh, mean man. they weren't coming because of his brilliant X's and O's work? Uh, oh, man. <laughs> They weren't coming uh, because of the the rappers on the sideline. His recruiting class right now is ranked 65th, by the way. That's what name recognition gets you. I'm just uh, (laughs) – I think this is unraveling pretty quick. Craiger says, Mike, do you think Jalen Daniels will have the same problem as Bryce as far as being frail, or does his height help him? His height will help him. I've stood next to both of them. Uh, Daniels, who put on about 12, 15 pounds of muscle – uh, before coming into this year, and he's about four inches taller. So, yeah, I, I think Daniels has a better chance of being a, a better pro than uh, than Bryce did, honestly. And and Jalen Jalen proved a lot this year. Again, I was high on him at the beginning of the year, but what he's done this year is, is next level. Uh, so he's played his way, in my opinion, in, into the first round. So, yeah, I think he actually he, – he's he, scouts will love – a lot of what he's going to have to offer from a physical standpoint more than Bryce Young. Hot take. I'd take him over Caleb Williams. Hot take. You know what? That might not be as hot. I mean, I've been saying all along, and I know that he didn't win a lot of games this year, but the cat up there in Chapel Hill still might be number one overall. Because NFL scouts don't look at it. They don't care they don't about care. your winning percentage in college. Mm. Rattler's they can look- stock's gone up, actually, for this year. 
So. Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, not going to be a first rounder, but uh, you know, he he's proven a lot. because scouts will be able to look at the tape at Spencer Rattler and realize the kid had no offensive line and he's still out there making plays, just like they saw Josh Allen play for a bad Wyoming team. And they realized that he lost his entire O-line and wide receivers before his senior year in Laramie. And they knew that he had a cannon of an arm and ran like Cam Newton. And this just in, Josh Allen's really good. And so they took him in the first round. So they, nothing gets by the scouts. It doesn't mean they're successful every pick because it's still a gamble. But they don't miss anything on tape. They just don't. If you've got flaws, they're going to be exposed. They just Agreed. don't. Agreed. All right, Phil. Get me out of here, Percy. That's right. Let's take one final break, and we will talk some basketball when we return. Hey, Gamecock fans. Mike Morgan here. During my time in Columbia, one of my favorite places to eat was Salsaritas. When I go back now for work or any other reason, it's still Salsaritas. Yeah, I'm like you. I love tacos. I love Tex-Mex. Where are you going to go to get them? Well, you've got two convenient Salsaritas locations, one in Lexington at the Target Center and one in West Columbia as well. Now, if you like tailgating, and who doesn't? Whether it's for a football game or anything else, they've got the catering hotline. Get yourself some Fiesta Packs to take Tailgating. Get yourself the Three Amigos bundles for tailgating. They make catering easy with a fresh, hot setup. And again, you just call the phone number 803-543-6297 to set it up. You can also look them up online or you can even download the app. Salsaritas is just a cut above the rest. That's why they're serving williams Price Stadium and the South Stands. Also serving in the Colonial Life Arena. Again, that catering hotline number. Make it easy for you and the folks out there. You don't need to settle for Sandwiches every time. 803-543-6297. 803-543-6297. Shop Charleston Fitness Equipment this holiday season. Major discounts on treadmills, rowers, elliptigos, and more. Proud partners of Carolina Rise inside the Gamecocks and the Chief Sports Network. CharlestonFitnessEquipment.com. 843-388-0999. Charleston Fitness Equipment this holiday season. Back everybody, Jacoby Wright, best six man in the conference right now. No, it's a little early to call that, especially against the competition we've played. But Lamont Paris and what is being lovingly referred to online as the fighting quarter zips takes the court tonight against Notre Dame, the ACC SEC challenge, uh, in what will be an almost sold out CLA. We're a men's basketball game. How about that, guys? As it should be, and as it normally is when you provide a, a quality product, as I've said many times, Gamecock fans are outstanding at supporting college basketball when it's decent. That's all they ask. 
just be just be competitive. Just be in the thick of it, and you, you'll you watch. They'll be top 20 nationally in attendance if this team gets off to a good starting conference play. Uh, that's the one benefit of having an 18,000-seat arena when everybody is, is still complaining that it should have been smaller when Mike McGee built the thing many years ago. Um, it's a great opportunity. <clears throat> I know Notre Dame isn't the best ACC representative, but it, it's still a Power 5 matchup. That overall looks good on the resume if you are a bubble team, which is what this team, I think, hopes to become uh, as you try to make steps going in the right direction. As I've said all along, this team is is better equipped than it was last year. Last year was an absolute suicide mission for any coach. You got a, you got a McDonald's All-American that reclassified as an 18-year-old. It's all about getting to the NBA, and you've got a bunch of other parts out there that it it just was never going to work. Uh, this year's different. Uh, and like most coaches, he went in the portal. Coach Paris did. Got the kind of pieces that he needs to be successful. And they're playing much better basketball. So I think it'll be uh, an interesting one to watch tonight. Notre Dame's in kind of a rebuild. Uh, beat Niagara to open the season. Lost at home to Western Carolina. Got thumped by Auburn in a tournament. But then came back and beat Oklahoma State by two. And uh, their last Mike game, Boynton. yeah, six days ago against Maryland Eastern Shore by 20. So, you know, they've won two in a row. The What's his name? Stukesbury? Stukesbury? Uh, Micah? Micah? Anyway, is it Penn State? <laughs> uh, and if, if anybody knows Penn State basketball, that's a tough place to win in hoops. And I think they went to, what, two or three NCAA tournaments in a row, Mike? Um, yeah. yeah. First time great Mike job, Bray man. has not been the coach. Yeah, first time Mike Bray has not been the coach at Notre Dame in like 20-something years. So they uh, expectations are not high for the Irish, but it's still a chance, as Mike pointed out, to get a good win. Then you got George Washington coming in. They're pretty good. They just hadn't played anybody, and they beat Carolina by 25 last season. Uh, Gamecocks went up and had kind of a two-game stretch in D.C., beat Georgetown on their home court, turned around, I think, a two days later and just got waxed by George Washington <laughs> Um, so that's gonna that's kind of a revenge game. Then at Clemson, at East Carolina, um, and then you know not much. Charleston Southern, Winthrop is gonna be Winthrop's usually pretty good. And then Elon, and then FAMU, and that's it. And then the conference starts with a top twenty five Mississippi State team on a road back to back road trips to Bama. And I've got them Saturday. By the way, they're good. Coach yeah. Jans has got a team now. He's got a squad. Made it to the hey, tournament hey. last year. Could be in a tournament again this year. Trivia. He comes from one of our favorite schools. Yes. Out here. Yeah, lovely Las Cruces and did a hell of a job there. And as you pointed out uh, wisely yesterday, that's a town that uh, has always supported college basketball and they've had some good tradition there. And he mm-hmm. did an outstanding job there. That's one of those, again, that's one of those hires like Chris Jans. Huh? He's not a big name. That's not a splash. He's a really good coach. Yeah, really good coach. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. But yeah, this team shoots it well. Carolina. Uh, you know, I, I, I want to point out to all the fans too, cause I got an NIL question here. I'll address in a second, you know, basketball, men's basketball got some NIL money, not a ton, but enough to go put together what they did this year from the portal and to kind of get started on recruiting some of the guys they're recruiting. Now, if you notice they got a four-star shooting guard, sharpshooter, second coming of Chris Corciani, in my opinion. <laughs> Uh, Eli Ellis committed for 2025, top 100 guy. They got a five-star guy out of Florida. Did you just drop a Corciani reference? 
Yeah, Chris Corciani. <laughs> this guy reminds me of Eli wow. Ellis. Dude, you're nice. Nice. Yeah. No, this oh, guy's yeah. money. He is a money. He's just a straight up pure sharpshooter ball handler. 5'11. You don't leave him open. Bill, uh, a taller Bill Gunner, if you will. <laughs> I love Bill. Uh, uh, but Billy. no, no. Hey, Gunner, if you ever play ball with Gunner, I have. You know, you're I sitting have. and you're watching him, and all of a sudden he'll launch it from 28 feet and just nothing but net. That dude, it's <laughs> amazing. He's kind of like his game with women. It's surprisingly good. Uh, I, I love you, Bill. <laughs> Uh, Bill, hey, Bill RSVP to the wedding on his show today, by the way, Mike. Oh, nice. Uh, I was like, going to be a gunner sighting? Yeah, uh, thanks for using know. the app, man. You wow. know, I'm like, you know, he's, he's like, oh, by the way, see you in West Palm Beach the end of this month. Like, oh, my see God. Ya. Hide the women um, and children. Bill Gunner yeah, will be in town. My God. Wild Bill. <laughs> but, uh, but no, this kid's good. You know, so, so they're actually in, surprisingly enough, they're in a lot of good recruits. And, and I, I was talking about NIL. In college basketball, NIL is like, it's expensive. You know, it's basketball is an expense. I mean, it's, I likened it to shopping at a Porsche dealership compared to a Chevy. <laughs> Chevy's right. like, hey, in, in football at Chevy, you, you do have the Corvettes and the Tahoes and the tricked out uh, Suburbans and, and all that that you can spend a lot of money on. I think you also have the Chevelle or the, you know, the Malibu, if you will, or the Cruise. Love Chevy <laughs> is loving this story. S10 truck. Yeah, go to go to love to get all your Chevrolets. <laughs> Basketball is like a Porsche dealership. You're not getting off the lot for less than X. But you only got to buy a dozen, unlike football, yeah. where you got to buy 85 cars. Exactly. Right? You just you just you, you load up <laughs> on a few. So, so and, the, the, yeah. Yeah. So the hopeful thing to communicate to you Gamecock fans is even with limited funds in that department for men's basketball, and it's gonna get better and better. They were able to put together this team. That's I, I don't I don't know how many they'll win. I think, that, but I think that they will be competitive. It's an older team. They shoot it well. They don't get rattled. Competitive yeah. is it perfect? No. So imagine once that nil pot grows at South Carolina, what these guys are going to be able to do. Uh, and I think that's positive if you give hundred percent. He doesn't fire fire blah 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 blah. And, blah. So, and I've had this conversation with Lamont Paris going back to last year where we would talk about recruiting, and he said, Mike, you know, it used to be when I was an assistant at Wisconsin and when I was a head coach uh, at uh, uh, Chat, it, it was all about the, the relationship with families, getting to know the kid, uh, you know, planting that seed early on. There's a trust level. and all. Now it's about money. I mean, if, if we're going to be brutally honest, you can have all those things. I'm not saying that it's not a factor at all. Like, if all things are relatively equal, well, Ma Paris is a really likable guy that is going to show himself well in front of a family and uh, be likable for a lot of potential recruits, more so than some other coaches uh, would be. But you still got to pony up. And if you don't think these SEC schools care about college basketball, brother, I'm going to tell you, they are spending I, – I, when I was at Media Days, uh, I was sitting next to uh, Coach Brady uh, from, from LSU. Might, have, might remember he led LSU to a Final Four, Big Baby Davis, oh, yeah. Tyrus Thomas, back in 06. Well, he's now the analyst, the radio analyst for LSU. Their NIL at LSU is about two and a half – excuse me, uh, he was telling me that – I'm not going to say which school. A particular school, not named Kentucky, has an NIL of two and a half million for college basketball. Two and a half million. And it's not a power, folks. But it was baked into the coach's contract. 
said, I'm not coming here unless you give me a lot of NIL money. He was telling me Brady was at LSU's is under a million. In other words. Well, they also got 2.3 for women's at LSU right now. NIL? Trust, tr- trust me on that. Yeah. <laughs> they, okay. They, they, uh, well, they, they got that for women. Yeah. They're, they're giving uh, – uh, Malky, whatever the hell she wants. Well, yeah, yeah. And, but they're, and but what's they're her the only, name? Only school that's doing that, you know. So. And they got they got a soap opera going on there, uh, which I don't I don't plan on spending thirty seconds on. But uh, but you see what's going on there. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyway, it, my point is is that yeah, it, it, everybody out there is spending money. Even in the football conference that is the SEC, they all want to be good at basketball. They all want to be yeah. relevant at basketball. Two so, million is reasonable to get to for if you want to really compete and go to the tournament every year and stuff like that. And then the sport, I think it helps. I think it that's helps. reasonable. I think five hundred grand a year is great for baseball. If you want to know the truth, I think football needs between seven and eight. Uh, yeah. What does Georgia so, have for football? Probably about <laughs> six. I mean, is, seven. is there a limit? <laughs> Probably whatever the hell they want, you know. Yeah, I was just, I'm, Georgia, I'm just curious. Buy the best I'm money to, I'm, buy. No, Georgia, <laughs> see, Georgia, Georgia, and Bama are a little different. Like the, the the schools that are like egregious with it, they are not winning. They're and, and they're pulling money and and all this good stuff. Um, Georgia, I would say what they do is they they take care of all of their players fairly. And that's it. And they got a great system for it, and they don't talk about it, and it doesn't divide the locker room, and everybody's happy, and it's enough. I mean, don't get me wrong. If you totaled it all, it's like going shopping. It's it's like uh, picking up the check after you feed eighty five people. <laughs> you, you know, you, nobody's uh, walking out there with you know fifteen lobster tails or anything, but it's still a high price. Yeah. Um, but it's fair, and then Kirby and Saban have set that up kind of the same way. You know, you're egregious schools with it, and I think you can guess who they are. One's out on the West Coast, refuses to play defense now, uh, which which is not, which, which to them, I, I don't know if I call it egregious. I, I think NIL, when, when this first started, I thought the Los Angeles schools would really do well because of the media opportunity. It's, it's Hollywood, right? It should be good. You know, you should be able to do that. But, um, you know, uh, there's another one that just fired us coach for $76 million. You know, there's another one down in, uh, I think, oh, wait a minute, they got to six – or did they get to six and six or seven and five this year at the U, Mike? How many games did they win? Seven? Oh, that's a good question. I think uh, I think I think it was. I think they I were bowl. Well, they're bowl eligible. I know that, but I don't know yeah, if it was six or seven. I, yeah, I think they did beat Boston College. Uh, by the, by the way, you know what conference has the most bowl eligible teams in the country? The ACC. Nope. What the ACC? No. The, the, the ACC has more than the SEC. That's right. The Sun Belt. That's right. The Sun Belt. Oh, hell, the Sun Belt. (laughs) It's like the entire league is bowl eligible, Um, which goes to show you you can't judge conference strength solely on that. Some SEC team, who who snuck into a bowl? Uh, Kentucky, maybe? Ah, Kentucky probably wouldn't lose to a Sun Belt team. Somebody, somebody, one of these 11 ACC teams, be be careful if you got to play a team from the Sun Belt. They'll cut Eleven you. ACC, they'll, they'll kill nine you, ACC. They'll cut and, you, Cletus. Uh, I, I'll cut you. A dozen, a dozen Sun Belt. Uh, uh, somebody asking about the <laughs> Marion. Can we get the Garnet Army back? Uh, oh, God. In theory, a student section right near center court uh, behind where people like me sit calling the game on TV. Yeah, you want that. 
yet. That's what mm-hmm. Auburn has built under Bruce Pearl. That's what Florida has. Georgia now has moved their student section. Uh, I, I heard them ringing in my ear all all game long. Um, that's I don't know if that's the plan or not. My guess is people are not going to want to call it the Garnet Army because anything that reminds them of Darren Horn uh, keeps them up late at night in a in a cold sweat. But you could call it something else. Yeah, Ariel, call it the cockpit. You know, keep it simple. Um, a little fire and ice reference, Clint. Yeah, that's Corciani and Rodney Monroe. I played against Chris Corciani in pickup ball back in the day. Um, one of the one, best. One of Valvano's good late later. Yeah, teams. yeah. He's older than me, but he used to go and just play pickup after he was done. He didn't last long in the NBA, but he's a hell of a player. So is Rodney Monroe, by the way. Marshall Henderson 2.0. Marshall was a exciting player at Ole Miss. Man, exactly. even but he was like six four. Marshall was not a, a, a little guard. Frail, but he was he was pretty tall. Uh, I'm surprised Texas A&M women aren't great in basketball. I'll leave oh, all not. the women's basketball talk to you, JC. No, I'm done with women's basketball for today. I just wanted to point that out about Kim Mulkey. Uh, Chuck A&M, says Texas A&M, A&M and L. How do you compete with that? How do you compete? You, you, you don't. don't. You beat them on the field because if That's they pay right. that much money, they're going to be yeah. a disaster. Uh, you know, South Carolina probably with a better O line and another and Juice Wells on the field this year probably wins in College Station. I mean, uh, Miss Agreed. Old Old you know Ole Miss has a decent NIL situation, and 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 uh, Ole Miss kind of that area. Uh, it, that's kind of where Carolina needs to be. I mean, Carolina Carolina cares about other sports besides football, so you have to you have to get it up there to where you can take care of everything. Because I mean, like it or not, guys, I know it's a football school, but. You guys don't tolerate not going to the NCAA tournament in men's basketball. You no, fire the coach. You know, and you definitely don't tolerate losing in baseball. You know, uh, and no. God forbid ever comes the day women's basketball starts losing because that part of the fan base is going to erupt. You know, so you need to have enough for everybody. A and M, that's on the other end of things. And what's going to start happening is people boosters are going to stop writing this. This, and I know A and M's got a spigot of money. It seems. They're gonna stop writing checks for it. They're gonna be like, go coach, go develop a guy, go get a go get this three star kid that wants to be here. Because in, in football, unlike basketball, uh, and really baseball to a certain extent, you have to develop. It doesn't matter what star rating you are when you come out of high school. You have to develop. You have to work hard. It takes a lot of work to get good at this sport. And if you're sitting there with a million dollars in the bank and you're 18 years old. I don't think I'd have worked that hard. Do you? Yeah. Who here would have? How, how hard you work at 18 with a million? I'd have been like, oh, I think I'll skip my workout today. I've, I've got to go uh, change the oil in my Maserati. You know, or, hey, I think I'll fly to Vegas this weekend instead of, uh, you know, staying in and going to workouts. I mean, you, you just, it, it's the same way child celebrities don't, they don't, you ever notice, with few exceptions, Leonardo DiCaprio is probably the exception. You don't see child act the best child actor. Like where the is Haley Joel Osment right now? Where is he? Where's Macaulay Culkin? Probably a lunatic somewhere. Yeah, Macaulay Culkin. Where is he? His brother's on uh, pretty good actor. Corey Haim OD'd, and Corey Feldman is a freak of nature. That's like playing Michael Jackson songs and doing weird dances and stuff. I mean, he's somebody needs an intervention with that dude. When you combine the the false celebrity of social media with a ridiculous amount of money, okay? 
it's hard for any kid unless you're like ultra disciplined or like you got a family support system like Arch Manning, right? Because all those guys are pros and they know like Arch, you know, you don't need to be doing this. Okay. You need to listen to your uncle. Okay. It is difficult to get it. And if you have a program full of people like that, you're not going to win very many football games. That's what and I, so, I like so, so Chuck, team full of Hessian mercenaries. That's what I was saying to, last year. You got a couple of them. They don't give a crap about your program. <laughs> Hessian mercenaries. That's a great analogy, Phil. So, so to answer your question, Chuck, South Carolina does not have to compete with the dollar amount that NIL has. South Carolina has to take care of its players in a reasonably to good manner, in a fair way, and give the coaches the financial resources they need to go do their job. And if they don't do it, then they get fired. And that's it. South Carolina does not need $50 million a year with NIL money. Nobody does. The market's adjusting. Okay, there's a reasonable amount that these guys should make, and uh, and I, and I think that scares people to death around here because they look and there's no oil fields in South Carolina. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, it's like, oh my God, what are you gonna do? Well, you don't have to, don't don't do it like they do. When's the last time they really won anything? You know, Texas had three Big Twelve championships in the twenty something years that league they were in that league. Meanwhile, you Oklahoma just don't want to be left behind. Less, Oklahoma has less money and less yeah. oil. You know what are the, and they're whipping ass and taking names. Well, know? that's why there's there's not. Yeah, don't be left behind. Don't don't be sitting here with with pennies. You know, everybody needs to have Benjamins, but you don't have to have like a Brinks truck. How about that? Yeah, this is not the time to be like uber thrifty. You don't have yeah. to be the biggest spender, but you don't want to be the worst either. I'm glad Eric Hyman's not here right now. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> can't can't take the band to the NIT Final the Four. Got to save a $1,000 on travel. Jeez. Uh, poor Hyman would crap his pants with all this NIL <laughs> stuff. <laughs> we need to be thing. fiscally responsible, folks. I don't think this is the nature of what we got into this business for. Are there what, any North Carolina, you want to hire me? I'll, I'll, I'll take the job. I'll take the job. I mean, I didn't want the job anyway. Texas A&M, will you hire me? Okay, I'll take the job. Because my son's like, it's like, oh, well, Eric, you know, we didn't like the fact that you wouldn't give someone a raise when we told you to. So why don't you just pack up your office? (laughs) We'll see you later, Hoss. To chat row, long live the Ricker. Okay. Long live the Ricker. And yes, Aaron Gray, uh, you know, when we were all like not old enough to know any better she was still a good looking mom um, that that was like that was like a stifler situation for a lot of kids growing up watching <laughs> silver spoons and 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 long way, live alfonso ribeiro looks like max johnson oh, yeah, he can't that dude's a, he's like the it's like a tiny Ahmad rashad um anyway uh <laughs> Max Johnson is going to North Carolina, it seems like, so that's a good Max Johnson's going. Max, oh, my goodness. They need, they need, a, play, they need a quarterback, man. They got bringing a new me. one in every year. Just bring a new one in, and then, you know, until <clears throat> Mac leaves, I guess. How much longer is Mac going to do it? I thought I mean, he This, this was the team. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, because it was I, – I really don't see them doing any better <laughs> than what they've done this, this year. I, 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 I think you had your window – there's money up know, there man. on it, Ill, though. So, uh, yeah. I don't know. Maybe they're just happy winning seven or eight. Who knows? Anyway, we got uh, we're out of time. Thank you to Mike Morgan. Thank you to Hale McGranahan. Thank you to Phil and Led Zeppelin for 
There we go, Phil. <laughs> it's bad when we got to start over. We talked over the three-minute long. Over. Yeah, um, I ran into him at the, the, the Lowe's Hotel in Nashville. Jimmy Page or Robert Plant? Robert Plant. He was just sitting there by himself. And my wife, Summer, who's not the most assertive, you know, she's not that kind of person, just goes up to strangers, starts talking, but none of us wanted to ask him for an autograph or not an autograph, a picture. But she did. And not many people would say no to my wife on that. And he kind of just said no. He said, I I just, and the bartender was like, yeah, he doesn't do that. He, He gets asked all the time. I can't, so, do it. I can't do that. So, Robert Plant, you, you went down a couple of notches on my list. Sorry. I'm going to jam with some You could have taken lead. When I do my pre-bingoing tonight, I'm going to I'm gonna jam with some Led Zeppelin. You sure? All right. For Mike Morgan <laughs> and Phil Mullinax and J.C. J.C. Sherbert, uh, J.B. will hopefully be back tomorrow because uh, I'm taking tomorrow off. Otherwise, get a steady diet of Phil and Mike. But uh, we'll be back on – I'll be back on Thursday – uh, enjoy the show, folks. Uh, everybody, uh, have fun pulling for the Gamecocks tonight, and we'll holla at you tomorrow.